You're in the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. The Paracast is brought to you by Audible.com, the Internet's leading provider of audiobooks with more than 100,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature, including fiction, nonfiction, and periodicals. For a free audiobook of your choice, go to audiblepodcast.com slash Paracast. I have a question, Chris O'Brien, that I'm going to ask you. Does the name Newton Leroy McPherson mean anything? Trouble. Right here in River City. Big trouble. Of course, you know, that was the birth name of Newt Gainrich. So that's my case. Oh, there you go. You know, it's interesting here. I figured that people would actually have some response to your unexpected politically charged comment, and they didn't. So let's just assume they agree with you and move on. (laughs) Well, it's you call a spade a spade, and people don't look for... Aces, uh, diamonds, uh, hearts, or clubs, and I guess you're head of the game. So I see now on the gambling tables in Las Vegas, you're a poker man. I just got my first uh, business card uh, written on a million-dollar poker chip. You did? Indeed. Speak to me. How did this happen? Well, I did my first. You know, I'm a, a, a driver for a tour operator here, the top private you know, tour company in Sedona. And um, this is the Joe job, so he can finance the UFO <laughs> research and looking for Bigfoot and all that stuff. Let's just be honest about it. We have to do things. Well, yeah, I, I do. I do have a day job. I had a wonderful group come in from Las Vegas, uh, including a very, very gorgeous fashion designer uh, named Alana Fuchs. She gave me her business card at the end of the evening, and it was written on a, I, I guess, I've never seen a poker chip like this, so I'm assuming it's a, either a million-dollar poker chip or something. Anyway, I figured I'd mention that. It wasn't a real million-dollar poker chip. It was just a poker chip with the amount of $1 million on it. No, it had weird colors and bands and, like, you know, her name and stuff written on it, but it, it's a real poker chip. I'm not sure exactly... What denomination it is, but okay. So if you brought it to that particular casino, they'd say, "Okay, that would be fifteen cents." Well, <laughs> yeah, possibly. But looking at her website and her track record, and the fact that she flew in on her own plane, uh, I wouldn't. I would think it would be worth a little more. Well, consider it the one million dollar chip. Sounds good to me. Let's assume then that you got this great tip, this glorious tip. For being, no, it was it was a, a business guy. card. It sure, was a business card. Okay, I'm just giving you a hard time. They but, had a great time, and uh, we've decided because of the success of my rather late night sojourn that we're going to expand the first class charter and tour repertoire, if it were, uh, to include UFO educational night watches. Oh, okay. Why not? You're going to make a killing off this. I'm not sure. David Serrata and uh, Kim Carlsberg and Melinda Leslie and who else? There's there's a bunch of folks. Tom Dongo. They, you know, it's there's a lot of uh, potential opportunities out there for uh, UFO Skywatch tours, and uh, and it's not going to be like Stephen Greer where you charge eleven hundred dollars per person. Nothing like that. Uh, no, no, okay. no. This will be affordable. Y- yeah, and very educational. Um, the first thing I do is shatter all their preconceptions about uh, Sedona and UFOs and 
the paranormal in general, and then, you know, gradually in a very kind and gentle way, re-educate them uh, into more of a separating the signal from the noise, I think is our motto here at the Paracast, kind of bring their heads back around to a more down-to-earth, sober look at uh, their reality and our consensual reality. All right. I think I might sign up next time I'm in Sedona. Oh, you don't have to, Gene. I'll do it for for you anytime. Okay, fair enough. I'll go for that. We do have a bit of sad news to present this evening. I mentioned it briefly in an insert in last week's episode. And it's a longtime UFO researcher who died just a few days ago. Maybe you didn't hear of him. I mean, he didn't write best-selling books. But a few people regarded him as the rock of ufology, a guy named... Lucius Farish, who lived in a tiny town in Arkansas, Plummerville, with a population, last I heard of, about eight or 900 people. And this guy, for many years, produced a UFO news clipping service where he would assemble newspaper reports from around the USA, around the world, of UFOs and other unusual events. He'd make copies of them and send them around to researchers. So we'd all keep up to date on what was going on from the material that we got from Lou Farish. He was a man ahead of his time. He created an Internet-type clearinghouse of reports uh, long before, uh, you know, the net evolved. This guy was here. Like I said, the stalwart, rock-of-the-earth kind of person who put everything together, kept the information flow going. He was involved in something called the Ozark UFO Conference, too. Oh, my very favorite. Mm Mm-hmm. You did go there a few times? Oh, did I? <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about well, that. Well, I, I think I was there five years in a row. Uh, it it kind of gets hazy. But all through the mid to late 90s, that was my springtime stop there in the beginning of April. And, uh, of course, my main, shall we say, <laughs> dock at the conference was the the infamous Lone Star Bar hospitality suite and jam room as it later turned out to be and i think out of all the years that i went there i may have attended maybe three or four presentations that sounds like what jim mosley used to do when he go to these ufo conventions he'd hang out in the bars he'd hang out in the hotel lobbies he'd talk to people never get to see the presentations anyway lou farish is a guy i corresponded with during the time that people exchanged snail mail for many, many years. And then in 1975, got to meet the guy. A fellow named Kurt Southerly, and I both lived in Pennsylvania at the time. Kurt's been a guest on the Paracast. He's a longtime 14 researcher. He's going to be back on the show soon, by the way. But Kurt and I brought him some genuine bologna from Lebanon, Pennsylvania, to Lou. And within a few weeks... That's all he talked about. He, it was a big stick of this stuff. It's got to be like 10, 15 pounds of it. Within a few weeks, it was gone. So I bet he had sandwiches every single day, and his friends had sandwiches. Lou Farish was a great guy. You know, he had a nice, gentle sense of humor. Enjoy the time I knew him, and we're sorry to see him go. Lucius Farish. Well, another thing you should mention is he's willed his estate to furthering uh, UFO research. Absolutely. I don't know how that's going to work out. We're going to explore it, and we might even have an episode where we look over the UFO field 
in relationship to people like Lou Farish, who kept the information flow alive for so many years. And we want to find out exactly what this bequest is going to be like and how UFO researchers can basically apply for it. I assume they have to set up some kind of infrastructure. We're going to find out. Speaking of rocks of UFO research, we have a guy named Chris Rutkowski. Now, Chris was on the Paracast in August of 2006. We only had him on then for one hour. We have him here for a full show this time. And he's a science writer who's written a number of books, including books about UFOs. And he takes, as you can imagine, a very serious, straightforward point of view on the subject. I'm going to ask him also about some unusual events that are happening in recent weeks, such as a number of cases, a number of UFO cases that apparently have been reported in Canada. Dozens and dozens of cases at the beginning part of the year, and also about the strange sounds in the sky. People around the world hearing all these weird sounds. I know we have a few threads on it in the Powercast forums. I haven't heard any strange sounds, except when people yell at me. Okay, when people yell at me, I hear strange sounds. <laughs> when Chris yells at me, I doesn't yell at me. He's a he's a mensch, as we say. Science writer, astronomer, UFO book author, Chris Rutkowski, joining us next on the Paracast. As you know, the Paracast is brought to you by Audible.com, the Internet's leading provider of audiobooks with more than 100,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature, featuring audio versions of many New York Times bestsellers. For our listeners, Audible is offering a free audiobook to give you a chance to try out their service, such as Steve Jobs, the best-selling authorized biography from Walter Isaacson. For that free audiobook, go to audiblepodcast.com slash Paracast. That's audiblepodcast.com slash Paracast. You know, we develop trust in the people we know, but we don't really know someone we can see. That's why I recommend GoToMeeting with HD Faces. It's a simple online meeting service. It's GoToMeeting by Citrix. All it takes is a webcam and a click to instantly collaborate. You can start hosting your own face-to-face online meetings today with GoToMeeting. You can try it free for 30 days. Visit GoToMeeting.com, click the Try It Free button, and use the promo code PODCAST. Think the national debt is $15 trillion? Boston U economics professor Lawrence Kotlikoff astutely points out that after factoring in guarantees such as Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, and defense expenditures, the national debt is closer to $211 trillion. Mathematically, this debt is not serviceable via taxation. And for politicians on Capitol Hill, default is not an option. So we can expect the Federal Reserve to monetize the shortfall, resulting in even more confiscation of our hard-earned savings via inflation. Hi, my name is Adam Miller with Midas Resources. In light of the MF Global Swindle, it is now more apparent than ever that our savings investments are not secure in the hands of traditional banking institutions overseen by government technocrats kept in their back pockets. Call me today at 800-686-2237, extension 148, to find out how you can protect your savings from confiscation with liquid, portable, and private precious metals. I'll even send you a booklet titled 10 Reasons to Own Gold to serve as a guide. That number again is 800-686-2237, extension 148. 800-686-2237, extension 148. If you're taking one, two, five, or more nutritional supplements, please stop. 
Simplify your supplementation with Bio Superfood, the most advanced nutritional whole food supplement you can buy. Men, women, children, even Olympic athletes the world over have discovered Bio Superfood from BioAge.com. And now take just one nutritional supplement instead of many. The Bio Superfood formulas are whole food products composed with four of the most nutrient-dense algae found on Earth. Bio Superfood for the brain helps with focus, memory, clarity, and mood. If you can increase brain health, the rest of the body is a no-brainer. Bio Superfood has zero toxicity and is safe for you and your family. Learn more and order your Bio Superfood formulas at BioAge.com, spelled B-I-O-A-G-E.com, BioAge.com, or call 877-288-9116. That's 877-288-9116. BioAge, the age of advanced organics. When's the last time you had a chance to buy a ticket to paradise? Listen up for a truly once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Imagine the ultimate bug-out safe home, surrounded by incredible lush, fertile land filled with fruit trees, coffee farm, fresh air, wildlife, and gorgeous views of the Pacific Coast. And you could win it for only $200. Yes, a Costa Rican family of four is raffling off their $400,000 home for only $200 per ticket. The winner scores a 2,000-square-foot, three-bedroom, two-bath house, two-car garage with both Bodega, guest house, nearly three acres of fertile coffee farmland, and the 1978 diesel Toyota Land Cruiser. All for only $200 per raffle ticket. Only 2,000 tickets will be sold. Hurry, raffle ends April 30th, 2012. For complete details, visit CostaRicaRaffle.com. That's CostaRicaRaffle.com. Get your ticket to paradise today at CostaRicaRaffle.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And if you'd like to catch up on past episodes, we have hundreds of shows for you to download direct from theparacast.com. That's theparacast.com. Or check us out at iTunes. With Gene and Chris on the Paracast, Chris Rutkowski is joining us from his palatial estate in Canada. <laughs> and before we started, he had a statement on Facebook remarking, of course, that he was going to get ready for the show taping. I want to ask you, Chris, did we ever get that makeup person over to you? Well, you know, it's uh, something that I really need because I've always been told that I have a favorite uh, radio and so forth. So, uh it's something that's absolutely essential. They didn't show up, so we'll just have to wing it. Oh, must have taken a delay or an interruption or a detour over at the bar. Got caught at the border or something, I don't know. You know, that's it. They were stopped at the border. It's yeah. a long flight. Yeah, especially because, you know, getting these saucers to fly at our direction is pretty difficult. At the appropriate time, that's true, yes. Looking at your background here, and of course, you've been a science writer for years. You've been studying UFOs. Your degree covers astronomy. And, of course, how does a person who is so deeply immersed in the sciences get involved in this field and not see blowback? Well, uh, that's a good question. I seem to have endured a lot of that, although there's no question that uh, the debunkers uh, think that I'm far too much uh, taken to the dark side of uh, ufology as a believer, although believers tend to look at me more as a skeptic because I, I you know, don't buy into a lot of stuff. 
so I tend to sit on the fence, and unfortunately, if it's a if it's a picket fence, you know, it gets pretty hard to sit on after a while, pretty pointy. Oh boy, do I know that feeling, Chris? <laughs> and of course, if they start charging up the fence with a few volts of electricity, suddenly your hair stands on end. Absolutely. Now, looking at conventional wisdoms or things that are accepted among people who are interested in UFOs, what do you find that you don't really accept? Let's start from that. Well, boy. <laughs> we have another show for this, huh? Exactly, yeah. Uh, well, let me start by, by saying that what I don't do, and, and this is one thing, one reason why I don't seem to get a lot of blowback, is I'm not making what uh, debunkers tend to describe as uh, extraordinary claims, uh, necessarily. I'm not saying that the aliens are definitely coming from Zeta Reticuli or Mars or Beta Pictoris or whatever. In fact, uh, what I do say is strictly from an astronomy point of view that uh, astronomers are fairly certain that uh, the aliens are out there somewhere, uh, but of course the distances are so great that it's difficult to conceive, knowing the physics that we have right now, of how they can travel between the stars. Now, having said that, and you know, it's, it's not anything that's too earth-shattering or star-shattering or, or whatever, but I, I do understand the fact that, you know, our sun is a pretty average star, and there's many stars that are much older than ours, and that uh, it's possible that uh, a planet around a star not that far away with a jump of, let's say, something pretty conservative, uh, 10,000 to 100,000 years of civilization on us, might have figured out some ways around the physics limitations, not necessarily uh, a new kind of physics or ways to to break the laws of physics, uh, but maybe maybe sort of some shortcuts that can allow them to travel between stars. Maybe they're using DMT as a fuel source. <laughs> <laughs> or, or anything. Maybe they're driving souped-up BMWs. I have, I have no idea. Well, I was but, thinking, yeah. of course, in terms of something like a warp drive, which is <laughs> obviously a science fiction trick to get you from one star system to another. But right. Sometimes people are, are talking in terms of... Uh, bending space-time itself, uh, that uh, uh, with a fold in space-time, you actually don't travel faster than the speed of light uh, between two points, but you simply uh, happen to pop through a little rift in space-time or a fold in space-time. And there's been scientific papers about that. So it's within the realm of possibility. We don't have any idea how that might work. But as I say, you you know, give us, you know, 50,000 to 500,000 years of a, of a bit of a jump in the future, Maybe somebody's managed to figure out how to do that. We don't have any proof that that's so. And again, this goes back to the blowback that I don't necessarily see the proof. Uh, and this goes into your other question. You know, what stuff don't I buy into? I don't see uh, the Zetans coming to visit us any moment. I don't see uh, Nibiru lurking just behind the next asteroid. I don't see a lot of that stuff. I, you know, I'm, uh, my background is in both astronomy and education, and I've uh, been a, a president of the Royal Astronomical Society of Canada's Winnipeg Center. I've been involved in a number of councils on astronomy. I know what the limitations are in terms of uh, uh, astronomy and the physical nature of the universe, that doesn't mean to say that it's not possible that there would be aliens or room for aliens in this type of, of philosophy and scenario. It just means that I know the limitations. And a lot of the stuff that I'm hearing or seeing, I just, I just really don't buy into. I, I'm perfectly willing to look at it, and I'm open-minded enough 
to uh, take it seriously. But my policy is it's always good to have an open mind, but not so open that your brains fall out. And there's a lot of gray matter on sidewalks these days. And that, to me, that's a real serious issue for ufology, a number of other uh, areas of study as well, but certainly within ufology. Well, you know, maybe what we want to do here on this episode, in addition to talking about cases and case histories, is, of course, to kind of separate the signal from the noise here and see where the facts are and what we have to explore, what we really have to look for. Now, I agree, and that's, sure. a, that's, a, that's a tough, that's a tall order in, in a lot of cases because we may not even know, uh, you're talking about separating the facts from the noise, there's a lot of noise. We may have trouble distinguishing what the, the true signal is, and uh, it's, it's a serious problem. Well, one particular area of UFO research that really, really gets a lot of pro and con attention, and sometimes, you know, it gets really nasty, some of the discussions, is UFO abductions. Mm -hmm. Of course, you did a book back in, what, 1999, Abductions and Aliens, What's Really Going On? So since you raised the question, let's start with that before we even get into case histories. What is really going on with abductions? Well, I got into it uh, because I did have people coming to me privately uh, after my talks and um, some uh, TV appearances and so forth saying that, you know, they think they've had some experience where they've been taken on board, they have park memories, they have, in some cases, full memories, or they just have this nagging suspicion or dreams, and they wanted to know, can I help them try and sort it out? And uh, I uh, started working with a uh, clinical psychologist uh, because uh, I certainly don't have the background in uh, hypnotherapy and uh, in counseling because my concern was a lot of the people who, had, who were coming to me have very, very high anxiety levels. Uh, they, uh, in fact, some were downright paranoid, but some were just simply very worried it was affecting their daily lives. They were worried that uh, they were being watched or their lives were being manipulated. And and uh, I started to think, well, I really want to study this, and uh, supposedly hypnosis is one way of trying to, to uh, get some information out. So I went to a clinical psychologist. I talked with him about, the, you know, whether of his background might be appropriate for use in uh, working with clients who I believe they were abductees. And we'll get into more of that with Chris Rutkowski, covering his studies of the UFO abduction phenomena and lots, lots more with Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. When it comes to running a successful business, there are many things you have to get right. But one thing is often overlooked, and that's protecting the data that powers your business. Computers, servers, external hard drives, and even tape backups are vulnerable to failure. In the U.S. alone, over 140,000 hard drives fail each and every week. According to one study, only 7% of companies that lose their data centers for 10 days or more survive beyond the year. So I want to tell you about our friends at Mosey. The most trusted name in online backup. Give our friends at Mosey a call. They've been doing this for a long time and run the most secure, most trusted online backup service. Right now, you could save 15% by using the promo code PODCAST15. That's PODCAST15. Call 877-669-9776. That's 877-669-9776. Or visit moseypro.com. That's M-O-Z-Y-Pro.com. 
Introducing a diabetes breakthrough, an easy, natural, organic way to bring relief to diabetics. Introducing MDS Forte, a concentrated super strength extract formulated for those who are looking for relief. What can MDS Forte do for you? MDS Forte reduces glucose levels safely and effectively, reduces cholesterol and triglyceride levels, increases HDL or good cholesterol while reducing LDL or bad cholesterol. MDS Forte reduces A1C, improves eyesight and circulation to the limbs, and helps with weight loss. Is non-toxic, caffeine-free, 100% natural, 100% organic, and comes with a 100% money back guarantee waiting for the side effects disclaimers with mds forte there are none order a 25-day treatment of mds forte by calling 213-405-5355 213-405-5355 or visit bestbloodsupport.com that's bestbloodsupport.com for mds forte a diabetes breakthrough that's the sound of your door being kicked in by an intruder with a single kick That's the sound of the same door now protected by the Door Sentinel at MySafeDoor.com. Go to MySafeDoor.com right now and watch the amazing video. At MySafeDoor.com, you'll learn how to turn your home into a fortress with the Door Sentinel. 16 kicks later, and the Door Sentinel is still holding strong. MySafeDoor.com. That's MySafeDoor.com. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. Long Range Patrol Ration Entrees. If you know survival, you know LRPs are the undisputed king of military rations. Hands down the best for your bug out bag or survival pack. To go farther, faster, and carry more food, there's nothing better than a Brick Pack LRP cold weather ration entree. Nothing. Now, the Freeze Dry Guy is offering a limited time deal on thousands of fresh LRP entrees. We're talking a menu of tasty and nutritious beef stew, chicken and rice, chili mac with beef, spaghetti and meat sauce with 20 entrees per case. These fresh 2011 LRPs are U.S. government contract overruns, perfect for long term storage. But they're going fast at freezedryguy.com. Far superior to MREs, long range patrol entrees are about a third the weight of an MRE, with about a third more meat than the finest commercial freeze dried entrees. Ask about multi case discounts and free shipping when you call 866-404-3663 today. That's 866-404-3663 or freezedryguy.com. Your source for survival food in an uncertain world. Hi, this is Don Ecker, and you are tuned into the Paracast. Let me tell you what, you're going to hear stuff here that you probably won't hear anywhere else. Hear that, George Snorri? Chris Rutkowski joining us on the Paracast, a UFO researcher from Canada, someone well-steeped in the sciences. We're exploring a lot of different aspects of UFOs during this session with Gene and Chris. We're covering abductions. So what Chris was saying is that people, after the lectures you give, would present possible abduction cases, and you went to seek some professional guidance into this investigation. Please continue. Yes, I had spoken with a clinical psychologist who, as a matter of course, in his own work, had employed hypnosis for working with memories, but also, more importantly, to deal with people's anxiety. And to me, that's a a very critical key 
within uh, abductions is that certainly people who uh, say they have had an abduction experience have a lot of worries. They're, they're concerned about are they going crazy or is this something unusual? This, it may be affecting their families. Maybe there's marks on their bodies that they're worried about. So in some cases where they're really concerned, uh, I thought it was appropriate to work with a clinical psychologist, especially one who, as a matter of course, used hypnosis. And uh, uh, we started uh, working with individuals one-on-one, and the the clinical psychologist would, uh, after a number of uh, sessions of counseling, because it's just not the type of thing you, you walk right in and hypnotize somebody and get results, but it's a matter of getting to know the the client, getting to uh, understand what's really going on, and then eventually, as one of many tools in dealing with anxiety and uh, people's experiences, the psychologist did employ some uh, hypnosis uh, to try and get at the source of the anxiety. And uh, some of the sessions were recorded, some of the sessions were with me in the room, uh, most without, because it certainly is a a one-on-one personal thing. And, you know, there were some interesting results. There was uh, one individual who had recalled a very, very vivid experience where he was going for bed and he was uh, settled into bed already and he suddenly felt paralyzed, again, a classic uh, abduction experience where he couldn't move and he saw uh, an image of some creature coming out of uh, the wall or apparently near a window coming towards him and a face appeared uh, with a part of a body getting closer and closer. Interestingly, in this particular case, it was not a, a standard gray. It was a, a creature with kind of a, a white face with actually a helmet on with uh, very slit-like eyes. And it approached the witness who was laying in the bed with uh, an outstretched arm that uh, was carrying a uh, a long pole or a long uh, spear-type object with a, a ball on the end that was uh, lit up. And this uh, spear went closer and closer, and the witness uh, abductee was getting more panicked and more panicked and more panicked. When the ball on the end of the shaft touched the person's forehead, there was a, a rush of uh, memory that came out of the, the person's mind as if all his memories were being sucked out and it was very, very traumatic. And when this was occurring uh, in the chair and the uh, clinical psychologist's office, this person was getting very, very more agitated, more agitated, and literally leapt out of the chair because he was so upset by what was occurring to him. And um, after we were uh, discussing what had happened, the, uh, the psychologist and myself, he admitted that uh, in his 20 or 25 years of experience in working with uh, clients, and this included working for uh, the police, he said this was the most profound and most violent reaction that he had ever witnessed uh, from a client who was under hypnosis. So to me, what this tells me is that uh, abductees are experiencing some very, very traumatic events, and whether they really are representative of alien intervention or not. Um, This suggests that uh, the clients, the abductees, the experiencers should be taken very, very seriously and that perhaps clinical psychologists uh, with a lot more experience than most ufologists uh, should be the ones studying and working with them. And this was even emphasized further uh, a number of years later where I had been approached by several different individuals who had expressed 
thoughts of suicide because they felt that the aliens had taken uh, so much control of their lives that uh, it was pointless to resist and what's uh, life worth living and uh, if you have no control over your life anymore and so forth. And once you start getting into the realm of people saying that they might commit suicide, I think ufologists uh, will start doing more harm than good if they don't refer somebody to a therapist, a clinical psychologist, or in fact a psychiatrist to help the person get through the anxiety. Apart from the fact that whether or not they've actually been abducted by aliens, this is a situation where people are really needing some help with uh, things that are going on in their lives and should be left to the professionals. And in most cases, uh, ufologists are not professionals. Yeah, it's a very, very complicated scenario. There may be many um, operating factors, uh, just human dream state. Um, I mean, even frontal lobe epilepsy has been touted as, as producing hallucinatory experiences similar to to uh, what are described as abduction cases. Well, where do you come down about the use of hypnosis, Chris? Uh, this is, I think, really lies at the heart of, of abduction research because you have your you know, barely retained conscious uh, images in your mind and scenarios, and then this regressed, uh, you know, material being pulled out hypnotically. Where, where do you fall in uh, in terms of that is being used as a as a good research tool, for lack of a better term? Well, you know, uh, it's a, a tricky situation because uh, when you say that it's a research tool, that's exactly what it is, and it's. It's a tool, not the tool. Uh, I think that a lot could be gained through uh, relaxation techniques in order to help uh, abductees uh, get more control over their lives and uh, get a a better handle on what's going on. The other thing is there hasn't been a lot of research. There's been some correlated studies that suggest that uh, abductees may or may not have high uh, social uh, correlations with things like... uh, uh, or oh, um, other emotional events in their lives. There are cases of, of abductees who have had histories of being abused, of, of uh, uh, had other traumatic events, uh, major losses of parents, children, uh, close relatives, uh, great job loss, uh, uh, feeling detached in the world, uh, this, that type of thing. In fact, if you look through John Mack's classic book, uh, there's case after case of people who were uh, having difficulty in intimate relationships and relational problems, who pr- had some histories of abuse, who had a number of other factors involved. And I think that uh, if we ignore the, uh, this particular uh, type of uh, psychopathology uh, when we're dealing with people who uh, have had abduction experiences, that's not to say that everyone who reports an abduction experience has this type of psychopathology, but In many cases, this is true, and I think that perhaps those abduction experiences, because of the nature of the individuals who have come forward and uh, who are being studied, uh, are are so different from, uh, at least inherently, uh, between those people and people who uh, do not exhibit any psychopathology, those types of abduction experiences can't be the same. Uh, type of, of phenomena. There you are. raise one issue here, of course, that maybe we should explore further. Would you be suggesting then that maybe in some cases the abduction experience is masking this trauma? 
It's being massed in some kind of pop culture way. And, of course, these days we think about gray aliens coming here and their UFOs, and we have all these very famous abduction cases. Rather than say that they were abused as a child or underwent some kind of other traumatic experience, it is being masked in a way that makes them more comfortable to express it. Why say it happened to me directly if it's in the hands of an alien, powerful alien species, they can say, well, I had no control. They're aliens. What am I supposed to be able to do it? We have Chris Rutkowski, and we're covering a whole range of UFO-related subjects, starting with, of course, abductions. A lot more to come with Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Are you ready to order the official Paracast t-shirt? You asked, we answered. We're now taking orders for the official Paracast t-shirt. It comes in white, 100% cotton. The front of it features the same logo that we have on our community forums. On the back it says, separating signal from noise. To order the official Paracast t-shirt, here's all you have to do. Visit our new online store at store.theparacast.com. more time that's store.theparacast.com you can use a major credit card to place your order for the official paracast t-shirt hey neighbors we have one more thing to talk about and that's more merchandise at the official paracast store we have hats we have jackets we even have a flip video camcorder customized with the paracast logo at the official paracast store it's all now available at the official paracast store store store.theparacast.com What if pain could be reduced, ailments could be alleviated, physical and mental stress could be eased, and blood circulation increased, all by simply lying down? Introducing the original Biomat. The Biomat is an FDA-registered medical device that combines deep, penetrating infrared space-age technology and revitalizing negative ions with the incredible healing power of amethyst crystals. A Biomat can boost your immune system, relieve pain and stiffness, reduce stress and fatigue, and assist in detoxifying your body. Join the thousands of people reporting relief from chronic pain, fibromyalgia, arthritis, sports injuries, insomnia, and much more. Each Biomat comes with a lifetime trade-in and three-year warranty. Learn more at bio-mats.com, spelled B-I-O-M-A-T-S.com. Or call 360-944-8692. That's 360-944-8692. Visit bio-mats.com today and enhance your life with a Biomat. We all know that Berkey Water Purification Systems are the most trusted name in water filtration. As an authorized Berkey dealer for over six years and serving thousands of satisfied customers, the Berkey Guy offers amazing specials for Berkey Water Filtration Systems. The Berkey Light Systems include a set of self-sterilizing and recleanable black purification elements that purify water by removing chlorine, pathogenic bacteria, cysts and parasites to non-detectable levels and remove harmful chemicals such as herbicides and pesticides. Order the Berkey Light 
system today, complete with two black Berkey elements for only $231, and the Berkey Guy will ship your order free of charge. With the purchase of a Berkey light, the Berkey Guy is also offering a set of fluoride and arsenic filters for only $39.99. That's over 30% off the retail price. Call the Berkey Guy at 1-877-886-3653. That's 1-877-886-3653. Or order online at GoBerkey.com. That's GoBerkey.com today. If you constantly feel run down and tired, your pH level might be low and your body could be full of toxins. If what you drink is not at a pH level of 8 or higher, you are inviting bacteria and acid to thrive in your body. But there is something you can do. Simply add 10 drops of AlkaVision Plasma pH drops to your water to help your body rid itself of acidic waste, increase oxygen, and raise your pH balance to optimum levels. AlkaVision Plasma pH drops combine a unique formula of the most alkaline minerals in the world. Alkalizing the water you drink, ridding your body of acidic waste and toxins, and helping you regain energy and vibrant health. And studies show viruses, bacteria, and toxins cannot survive in an alkaline, high pH environment. Order your bottle of AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops at AlkaVision.com. That's A-L-K-A-Vision.com. Or call 269-409-1776. 269-409-1776. Alkalize your body. Supercharge your health at AlkaVision.com today. We return with Chris Rutkowski with Gene and Chris and the Paracast. We're talking about abductions because he wrote a book on the subject back in 1999. I don't know if you can even get a copy. It's called Abductions and Aliens, What's Really Going On. So, Chris, the scenario I painted, that some abductions mask this other trauma, where does that stand? Uh, I wouldn't doubt that that's possible. In fact, uh, there was a, a number of cases that had presented to me, one in particular where a woman had uh, uh, reported having a, an abduction experience where she remembered uh, being in bed and a creature uh, coming into her bedroom and uh, uh, causing her severe pain and uh, uh, the, uh, uh, it seemed to be something that was completely terrifying to her. She believed that it had something to do with aliens. Um, uh, we had met with her for oh three or four times before we attempted to set up an interview for uh, hypnotic regression. But it turns out that the session just before that we were going to be uh, doing the hypnotic regression, uh, when we had asked her a number of questions previous, uh, had anything happened that particular uh, day that you can remember? Do you know how what happened in the course of the day? Did something happen the night before? And uh, most of the time she came herself, but once in a while she had brought her husband along. And he was with us uh, in the room that time. And, and again, we had said, Are you, you know, do you remember nothing from, from that particular day? And she had said, well, no, it was a really uneventful day. You know, I went to the market. I, I uh, uh, had uh, dropped off a letter to mail and, uh, and this type of thing. And her husband said, well, apart from your meeting with the, uh, with the other psychiatrist. And we asked about that. And it turns out that that particular meeting with a, a different psychiatrist this woman had made a breakthrough uh, regarding something that had occurred in her life uh, not long before this, this particular alien abduction experience had said to have been occurred. She had been date raped, and uh, uh, it, after uh, some additional counseling and therapy, it turned out that 
she had actually uh, you know, used this, uh, this scenario of the alien abduction as a mask in her own mind and had, had transferred it directly into the image of the, uh, the alien abduction from uh, this image of a creature, obviously a horrible person, creature, thing, that had actually uh, uh, date-raped her and had caused her a lot of pain and had sent her into the hospital. And yet, she had later imagined that this was somehow related to an alien abduction and had completely blocked that from uh, any conscious memory. So because we're dealing with these types of emotions and uh, situations and human experiences, again, I emphasize I would really like to see um, a lot more involvement by the medical community, the psychological, the psychiatric community, in helping people get through abduction experiences. And I have to emphasize, though, this does not mean that I think that all abduction cases uh, can be resolved or related in this manner. That's simply not true. I have many cases that uh, I've uh, worked with where people have come to me with no obvious history of psychopathology, with no suggestion that there is anything out of the ordinary in their lives, and they seem to be well-balanced individuals and very responsible in some uh, aspects of society. Uh, and uh, they simply reported some very bizarre experiences that have all the earmarks of classic abduction. Uh, now, so speaking of classic abductions, what do you think about the classic cases such as Betty and Barty Hill? Well, you know, I've, I've uh, spoke with her uh, niece. I had a time to talk, talk with her and, uh, and Stan Friedman a number of occasions uh, related to the, their book, which was out just a, a year or two ago. I find there's a lot more to the story than uh, simply dismissing it, um, as many skeptics do. I, I really think that something very bizarre happened to them. I don't know what it was, and I, it's perfectly uh, reasonable and valid in a, uh, to a scientist to say, I simply don't know. A lot of scientists uh, in dealing with the field of ufology and abductions and, and so forth, if they have their own inherent biases, uh, will start to say that you know it's obviously a hoax or it's obviously this or it's obviously that. Well, it's not obvious at all. In fact, there's contradictory evidence, there's uh, supportive evidence, but to me, it's a very interesting case that simply can't be easily dismissed as one thing or another. I, uh, I was very impressed with uh, with Betty Hill's niece when I had a, a time to talk with Kathleen Martin. Yeah, she's been on our show several times. Right, and uh, you know, and she and there, speaking of hypnosis, she's someone who. Uh, has studied hypnosis to a great degree as well. Uh, and I, I really find uh, the story uh, very fascinating. I, I can't dismiss it uh, with, uh, with a lot of ease at all. What do you think here, though, about the heavy participation of so many laymen in research into abductions? And we think of people like David Jacobs, the late Bud Hopkins, and people of that nature. Do you think they relied sufficiently on mental health professionals? Are you aware of their methods? Uh, well, I did speak to Bud on a, a number of occasions, uh, not many, but uh, uh, I was, uh, you know, impressed with uh, with his his care and concern for the individuals who he was working with. Uh, I don't recall whether he worked very intently with uh, uh, medical professionals, which I would have liked to have seen more involvement. Um, and uh, David Jacobs, uh, you know, his background is a, is history rather than uh, uh, medicine, so. Uh, you know, he, he, I think he certainly uh, could have benefited by working more closely with people in the medical profession, simply because 
when you're again when you're dealing with people with uh, some psychopathology with issues related to uh, um, relational uh, problems with abuse and so forth I think it would be worth it is worthwhile it's always worthwhile and recommended to have professionals uh, work very closely with individuals and that's not what I was hearing uh, from a lot of the studies that, that I've seen and that's not necessarily uh, a lot of what I was uh, hearing and, and uh, reading from a lot of the, the studies that have been done in the past. But may, is it also possible here that one reason why these people get into it is because a lot of people are claiming to have these experiences and mental health professionals are reluctant to get mixed up with this stuff? So that's a very valid point and something that uh, I agree wholeheartedly uh, there was a, a, a study a number of years ago, actually the, the, the MIT conference, uh, where it was highly recommended uh, by a number of individuals like David Gottlieb, who said, you know, we should have more medical professionals getting involved in the abduction experience because people need the help and they will, in many cases, turn to their own uh, uh, family doctor or if they have an appointment with a, if they can get into a psychiatrist, which is very difficult, uh, they're dismissed or categorized as, as something uh, very, very different, and they may find themselves under treatment for things that uh, are not completely appropriate. Uh, so I, I think the problem is the medical profession hasn't been taking it seriously enough, and it's uh, a, a sort of a vicious circle. The medical profession doesn't want to have much to do with the abduction phenomenon, and yet uh, that seems to be where we'd like to see more work. and uh, it, Yeah, and there's a lot of people that need help. Absolutely, and uh, if the numbers are, are true that, uh, you know, we're talking uh, 10%, 15%, I don't know how what some of the latest figures are from studies, but if uh, there really are that many people needing the help and they simply can't get it, uh, then uh, you know, we're really... Uh, behind the eight ball. There's really not much help we can offer people. So that's why people will turn to uh, laymen who uh, may not have the knowledge, may not have the background, but at least they're willing to listen. And you know, one uh, thing that also makes it difficult doing this kind of investigation, someone has to pay the mental health professional. I know the healthcare situation in Canada is different in the USA, but here in the USA, what a lot of psychiatrists will do these days is they're not getting paid to see somebody year in and year out by the health insurance companies. They're getting very little money. So if the patient can't afford it, they'll give them a pill and say, go home. Uh, that's absolutely true. Uh, it's very, very expensive, very time-consuming, even from the cases that I worked with. And I certainly didn't work with with uh, anywhere near as many as some of the uh, other uh, people involved in abduction research. But uh, even the ones that I worked with, I made a point of meeting with them uh, several times, as I mentioned before, even attempting to discuss things like hypnotic regression, um, because it was a matter of getting to know the people, finding out the complete story, checking backgrounds, making them more relaxed, making them more comfortable, and this takes time. And you know, the number of hours that I spent uh, per individual um, would easily be 20, 30, in some cases 40 hours working with people before we even got to the hypnotic regression stage. And uh, that's simply uh, uh, not feasible for many psychiatrists and, and uh, clinical professionals, even uh, therapists whose rates are obviously much lower than psychiatrists. Yeah, can you uh, imagine a psychiatrist at 150 or $200 an hour? Exactly. And they have to see you 30, 40 times? 
And you think, well, who's going to finance this thing? Chris Rutkowski will not finance it, nor will Gene Steinberg. And Chris O'Brien, but you're still in the Paracast. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. Hi, Ted Anderson announcing a great way to listen to radio on the telephone. By calling 760-569-7700, you'll be hearing GCNlive.com programs in seconds. Come to GCNlive.com, find your favorite host's dedicated phone number, and hear them 24-7. You heard me right, every show has a dedicated phone number. Stop by GCNlive.com and bookmark their number today. And again, that's 760-569-7700. We the people grow cotton, weave fabric, engrave ink, embed strips and fibers to protect from counterfeit and carting to a private bank, having it led back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Ted Anderson, I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. Chris Rutkowski joining us with Gene and Chris. We're talking about abductions. Now, since you wrote the book, which is, what, 12 years ago, have you done much further research into abductions? Uh, not a lot. Well, I, for about uh, three or four years following the book, of course, it generated uh, interest from people talking with me about it, their own experiences. And I would say that uh, even now, I get uh, maybe one or two cases uh, presenting themselves to me every year. But uh, the numbers are certainly dwindling as far as, uh, as far as I can see. Of the various abduction cases that you investigated before the book was published till now, can you maybe summarize another case or so that seemed compelling to you, something you can't figure out? Well, one of the most interesting cases uh, uh, happened uh, a number of years ago when a uh, nurse had uh, approached me. She had said, you know, I uh, work you know, a lot of hours. I'm working uh, late night and shift work, and I really don't have time for watching science fiction films and uh, and things on TV, and I don't have time to read science fiction books. Uh, But I had something very strange happen to me, and I can't explain it. So I went uh, to visit her and uh, talked with her at length. And her story was this, that she had been working uh, a late shift, had come home about 3 or 4 in the morning, was very, very tired by her own admission, but at the same time she had that kind of buzz that you get from having been up for for 12 or 14 or how many hours. So she wasn't at any, any time ready to go to sleep. But she had uh, entered her apartment and had uh, gone uh, through the living room into her bedroom area and was preparing for, uh, uh, to get ready for bed. She was still fully dressed uh, when she heard a thump and a bang from out in the living room. Now, she lived uh, in, a, in a, an apartment block uh, where there were some old college students and uh, some young people 
and uh, it was a, a lower rent neighborhood. So, you know, there were people who caused trouble in hallways at three or four in the morning sometimes. Yeah, I and, used to do that when I was a kid. I used to cause all sorts of trouble with my friends. Not at three or four in the morning, but always in a tenement in Brooklyn on the top floor, the people underneath would say, what's all that jumping and thumping all about? Exactly. Yeah, you sound exactly like that type. <laughs> so I resemble that remark. <laughs> So she was uh, she was a little annoyed at this, and she figured you know she really wants to get some sleep this uh, this night, so she's going to go out and give him a piece of her mind. So she stormed out of her bedroom with the intention of uh, opening the door from the living room into the hallway uh, and uh, yelling at whoever was doing that. Except when she got into the living room, there were two creatures, two little beings about four feet high, again deviating from the standard grays. Uh, with these creatures had round heads. They were all white. They had very round, bulbous eyes, uh, slits for mouths, and they seemed to be wearing long white togas or long white gowns. And uh, her first reaction was, oh no, it's Halloween already, and they got into my apartment. So she immediately said to these two creatures who were standing just a matter of six or eight feet away from her, how did you get into my apartment? I don't have any candy for you. What are you doing here? And these two creatures looked at her, and then they looked at one another, and then they looked back at her. And as soon as they did that, she realized these are not kids looking for Halloween treats. She said that uh, she asked them who they are. She was taken aback. She had no idea what what was going on. And somehow, telepathically, they said that uh, we're here to visit you, to talk with you, and we would like to know if you would like to come with us for a ride. You know, hey... You know, you want to come for a ride. What a great pickup line. But here's these creatures in her own uh, <laughs> living room asking her this. And uh, she just sort of wow. said, well, I, I guess so. <laughs> and the next thing she knows, she's not in her apartment at all. She's walking through a very large hangar area with one creature in front of her and one creature behind her. And she's being led across this hangar area where she could see a number of classic, you know, saucer-shaped and cigar-shaped uh, objects. Uh, and she was led into a door that was inside of a large saucer, uh, cigar-shaped object. She was led in there, led down a, a gangway of some sort into a control room in the front of this uh, craft and was indicated that she should sit between these two creatures who had sort of a Star Trek-y console with a view screen, and she saw a picture of the Earth appear on the screen in front of her, getting smaller and smaller and smaller. And then the next thing she remembers is that she's back in her bedroom on the side of the bed, away from the door to the living room. The bed is still made up, uh, not slept in. She's still in her clothes. Her shoes are still on. And two to three hours have passed from the time that she had gone home. And she had no recollection of what might have transpired during that time. Now, she said to me, you know, I don't have vivid dreams. I'm sure I was awake. I'm sure this really happened. But what was this? And you helped me. And, you know, she had no reason to make this up. She had no reason to to fabricate anything. She had no gain, everything to lose. And I had no explanation for what might have occurred. 
What can we say? It's just one of those classic sure. cases that we simply... And, and, and Chris, what, you, you never mentioned where she was located, I don't think? Well, this was here in Canada. Uh, where, whereabouts, so? In, in, in the city of Winnipeg. Hmm. I don't know what to make of that, boy. Uh, <laughs> a great witness has no, like you said, has no, there's no apparent reason why she would come forward with with a fabricated story like that. Right, right. It, it sounds and actually very believable. Now, I was interested... Much- I was interested, Chris, in, in in you're saying that you seem to be seeing a reduction of your uh, of UFO style abduction cases. Is, do you think this is because your book now is ten years old and it's run its course, or do you think that you're we're, we're actually witnessing a reduction, possibly in in claims of UFO uh, abductions? I I kind of sense that for the last couple of years. Right, I do tend to think that uh, we uh, we don't or hear as many abduction stories as we used to. Um, uh, I mean, I'm, I will often get, I continually get UFO reports, uh, but uh, very, very few abduction cases are uh, coming to me, uh, certainly not as many as uh, we used to get. So from my perspective... Chris, sp- doing... speaking of getting UFO reports, I, I, I want to make sure everybody out there in the Paracast listening audience knows about the Canadian UFO survey. Uh, that you've been involved with uh, for quite some time. And you, your first article that you released on your blog here uh, in the, <laughs> you know, Y2012K, uh, it talks about classifying and studying UFO cases. Now, I'm, I'm not sure if you're aware of the work of Ray Stanford, but recently we had Ray on. I consider Ray probably, in my estimation, uh, the preeminent um, observer of UFOs, uh, especially analyzing photographs and films. And um, he brought up some very interesting points of of kind of rules of thumb for people to, um, you know, be aware of when they're out in the field observing the sky. And um, your article goes through and, and gives seven categories of sightings that make sense to me uh, about how a, a vast majority of, of UFO reports are actually misidentified mundane phenomena. And uh, that's an area that I'd like to, to talk with uh, you here and, and try to give uh, our listening audience a, you know, a good sort of set of rules of thumb of, of you know, what to look for when you're actually skywatching. You're an astronomer. Uh, you're in a, a really good position to, to help some uh, folks out there. Absolutely. Yep. Well, I think maybe what we should do here is do an overview of these categories over the next few segments just to give people kind of a background because we talk so much about sightings and a lot of arcane things here, but it's a good idea for people to realize once again that even if E.T. is there, what, 80, 90% of the things they see in the sky are just completely conventional? They're not UFOs, they're not spaceships, they're not interdimensional beings. Probably a higher percentage than that even, Gene. Perhaps. You know, it's hard to say. Chris Rutkowski is joining us with Gene and Chris. You're in Paracast. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It just stopped responding. It took hours before it returned, but I'd already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Check it out. iWeb.com. That's iWeb.com. 
you expect professional service from your doctor, your accountant, and even the girl who takes your morning coffee order. Why not from your domain registrar, too? Namecheap.com provides stellar service with no sneaky upselling. We offer more features and security options for your website than there are ways to order a latte. And new domains come with WhoisGuard to protect your personal info. At Namecheap.com, you can get your domain for as low as $2.99. Now is a great time to get to know Namecheap.com. Hi, Jason Lewis here. Anybody who's been listening to my program knows how shaky the U.S. economy is right now. Will we have a V-shaped recovery or will it be a W-shaped one where the nation slips back into recession? Of course, if you think that Washington can spend or inflate its way out of a downturn, you've got nothing to worry about. But as you know, I have my doubts. So let me tell you about gold. Now, as my friend Ted Anderson from Midas Resources likes to say, gold, like all commodity markets, fluctuates in price, and you could lose money. But it has never been worth zero. Give it some thought, and if you're interested in converting your IRA to gold or would like to actually have it in your possession, call Midas Resources today at 1-800-686-2237. The U.S. dollar was once backed by gold, but has since lost 90% of its value. And if things don't change, I'm afraid the trend will continue. Call Minus Resources today at 1-800-686-2237 for gold and tell them Jason Lewis sent you. We all know that Berkey Water Purification Systems are the most trusted name in water filtration. As an authorized Berkey dealer for over six years and serving thousands of satisfied customers, the Berkey Guy offers amazing specials for Berkey Water Filtration Systems. The Berkey Light Systems include a set of self-sterilizing and recleanable black purification elements that purify water by removing chlorine, pathogenic bacteria, cysts and parasites to non-detectable levels and remove harmful chemicals such as herbicides and pesticides. Order the Berkey Light System today, complete with two black Berkey elements for only $231, and the Berkey Guy will ship your order free of charge. With the purchase of a Berkey Light, the Berkey Guy is also offering a set of fluoride and arsenic filters for only $39.99. That's over 30% off the retail price. Call the Berkey Guy at 1 888 3653. That's 1 888 3653. Or order online at goberkey.com. That's goberkey.com today. Iodine protection packs from HempUSA.org are now in stock for immediate delivery worldwide. Our iodine protection packs include micro plant powder, green life kelp, red palm oil, and our clear roll-on iodine that will feed the body the iodine it needs. All iodine protection packs are in stock, save you money, and ship for free in all 50 states. Visit HempUSA.org or call 908-691-2608 today. HempUSA.org has a revolutionary wonder food for detoxing the body and rebuilding the immune system. Microplant powder can help unclog arteries and soften heart valves while removing heavy metals, virus, fungus, bacteria, and parasites. Plus, it cleans and purifies the blood, lungs, stomach, and colon. Keep your body clean with Microplant powder. Visit us at HempUSA.org or call 908-691-2608 today. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And if you'd like to catch up on past episodes, we have hundreds of shows for you to download direct from theparacast.com. That's theparacast.com. 
or check us out at iTunes. Chris Rutkowski, astronomer, science writer from Canada, talking about his investigation into UFOs with Gene and Chris. When we broke, we asked you, at least Chris O'Brien did, about this article on classifying and studying UFO cases. Seven categories. Could you maybe cover them briefly? Well, absolutely. You know, there's many explanations for UFOs. You know, there's there's just uh, a plethora of things that things could be. Hynek and a number of other individuals came up with classification schemes, but uh, you know there there are some basics around there. And if we just look at the basics, we can come up with some explanations for a good chunk of what's uh, what's being reported. Certainly, some cases are simple fireballs or bolides, and uh, these are chunks of comets that are impacting the atmosphere. And these are easy to pick out of the, uh, the data set of UFO reports because they tend to be blue or green. They, the sightings tend to be very short-lived of the order of two, three, four, five, sometimes as long as 10 seconds, depending on whether we're in the middle of a, uh, a uh, meteor storm or not. They're very easy to pick out. They sometimes are described as long teardrops with long tails. And other characteristics are things like, well, it looked like a plane was going to be crashing just beyond the next hill. It was coming straight down or at an angle, and we could see chunks flying off of it. We're absolutely certain that what we're seeing was a, a plane crashing. And these are all descriptors of fireballs or bolides, as astronomers like to call them. And they do account for a certain percentage of the body of UFO reports that we get every year. Now, people report seeing starlight-like uh, star objects, starlight lights uh, hanging in the sky for hours and hours and hours, and uh, sometimes they're flashing different colors. These are usually stars or planets, and uh, the fact that they are seen for many, many uh, minutes and of the order of two or three hours, sometimes people will say we've been watching them from midnight right until the sunrise. Again, those are easy to pick out of uh, the body of UFO reports. Um, now, the trouble is that some of the starlight objects that are reported are moving, and <laughs> they're not stationary, and uh, some of these are certainly satellites. You can go log on to uh, websites like Heavens Above, and you can actually plot it for your own area, exactly down to your latitude and longitude, and you can calculate how many times uh, a night that something's going to pass overhead, and you can actually check and see that something's going to be passing overhead at precisely 11.52 p.m. Uh, over your town or city. You can walk out, and you can see it. Come. Hey, and there's also, there's also, Chris, FlightAware, there's an iPhone app now. You can point your iPhone at any place in the sky, and it'll instantly give you a readout of all transponded, mundane, accredited uh, air traffic. Yeah, there's a number of great resources that you can use. So there are ways of figuring out exactly what's, what's going on up there. So some are satellites. Sometimes though, we get these reports where there's five to ten objects moving together in clusters. Those are a little trickier, and uh, I have to tell you I'm baffled by some of those especially where they're all flying together in the same direction and then zoom take off in, in uh, five or six different directions. Those are very, very curious, and I think we have to deal with those separately. But the simple ones moving uh, by themselves, or as many as three moving together, are often satellites. There's a category of satellites called NOSS, N-O-S-S, which are basically used for triangulation, where various governments will send these up, and uh, because they have three different vantage points, they can pinpoint exactly uh, the movement of uh, objects on the ground. So 
they are, uh, when you see triangular or formation of star-like objects in the sky, uh, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's a triangular object. It means, in some cases, that it's a triangular formation of satellites high in the sky that are being used for military purposes. Now, beyond those, there are uh, everything from northern lights to to standard aircraft that are passing overhead, helicopters. We've had cases of casinos and uh, other areas uh, that have spotlights flying or the shining on the underside of clouds, and they tend to whiz around one another and then zip uh, away again. Uh, we've had everything you can possibly imagine has been identified or misidentified as a UFO, and these categories are very interesting to go through. And yet, with all these cases that we have that have you know various explanations, we tend to be left with small percentage, and you mentioned 10%, uh, depending on how many passes you go through and how many how rigorously the, the data is collected, it's somewhere between 1% to 3 or 4 or 5% that uh, we're left with in terms of what we would call uh, high-quality unknowns every year. And these high-quality unknowns are cases where we have ruled out satellites and stars and planets and balloons and spotlights and everything. And, Chinese lanterns. And Chinese lanterns. Well, that's, that's a, we've had a lot of those last year, that's for sure. But we've ruled out a lot of things, and the witnesses were co- cooperative, and uh, uh, they seem to be very coherent, and perhaps there were more than one witness. And mm, yeah, and, and video helps, too. Video helps. <laughs> so we have all these cases, and yet we have no explanation. Now, that doesn't mean that these cases are automatically spacecraft, but it does mean that there's a, a real phenomenon there that somebody witnessed that we can't explain. Now, you know, 1% to 2 or 3% uh, doesn't sound like a lot, but uh, when you look at the raw numbers, for example, in Canada, we're hovering around uh, 1,000 cases for uh, 2011 again, you know, where you're looking at a significant number of reports. And when you look over 20 years, 30 years, and in Canada, we're almost we're approaching 25 years of the Canadian UFO survey, uh, you're talking about dozens and dozens and into the hundreds of cases that can't be explained, that have resisted explanations all these years, that suggest that something real is being observed and the phenomenon simply can't be dismissed very easily. We will talk about Shag Harbor, which I think is one of our, our finest cases and uh, one that you cut your teeth on. Yes, indeed. Uh, it's uh, one of the classics during that big wave of 1967 when Everything and everything seemed to be happening in Canada. Before we get to that, the one thing I always talk about in terms of UFOs is the publicity flap, which is that you get a UFO report in the newspaper or people in the neighborhood start talking about it. They start looking upward. And as soon as they look upward, of course, they see more things and then you get more cases. Now, maybe it is that UFOs are always there and we just have to be looking in the right place at the right time. But if there is that publicity, you will get more cases. So you said a thousand cases or whatever in 2011. Also, MUFON reported a lot of cases. Right. A lot of our data comes from MUFON and it comes from a lot of different sources. We didn't see the, the big spike that MUFON reported, and I think that's largely because of the way they've been doing their collecting these days because they, they didn't have a, the, their database wasn't as rigorous and put together in the past couple of years. But we do see in Canada a consistently high level of UFO reports uh, that's going on regardless of whether there is media publicity or not. In fact, what happens, and I remember talking with Alan Hynek about this when he was still alive, that it's not necessarily that 
media attention and movies and TV will give rise to UFO reports that are occurring, they'll often make people more confident and uh, reassure them that it's all right to talk about experiences they've had in the past. And I'll tell you, ladies and gentlemen, it'll be all right to talk about this. We have Chris Rutkowski with Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. Ray Perkins a reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War, lives tortured by relentless, perplexing nightmares. Nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space and of a mysterious woman suffering in agony for her devastated world. A woman not yet born, calling across centuries to him. Then, a coincidence leads him to his destiny, his chance to alter the universe. Attack! Attack! Of the Rockwell. The former fiction editor for Star Wars and Indiana Jones, Robert Simpson, writes The soul of the novel Attack of the Rockoids lies in its heart and passion for building a convincing tale of a love that spans a galaxy. A thrilling story. Attack, Attack of the Rockoids is available now. Read a sample chapter and get a special discount off of the cover price at our website, rockoids.com. That's R O C K O I D S.com. Attack, Attack. Of the Rockwell, a novel in the grand science fiction tradition. Folks, have you lost your power and wanted to simply flip a switch to get the lights back on? If so, this is going to be the most important message you'll ever hear because there's never been a better time to get ready for the winter power outages ahead. Here's why. Solar power generators are now available from our friends at Solutions from Science, one of our oldest sponsors. Their emergency backup systems provide life-saving electrical power when you need it most. Unlike gas generators, a solar generator runs quietly, emits no fumes, and produces electricity from the sun. It's like having an electric power plant running quietly in your own home. Whether it's ice storms, brownouts, or blackouts, you'll never have to suffer through painful power outages again. When the power goes out this winter, you'll be ready with a solar power generator from Solutions from Science. Go to MySolarBackup.com for more information. That's MySolarBackup.com or call 877-327-0365. That's what it sounds like when a burglar kicks in the door of a dark house that looks like no one is home. Don't let your home be the next target. Make it look like someone is home watching television with Fake TV. Fake TV is a small electronic device that makes the same light as a real television. So from outside, it looks like someone is home watching TV. Fake TV plugs in just like a lamp on a timer, but is far more convincing to burglars. Fake TV deters burglars, costs far less than an alarm, and is highly recommended by numerous police departments. Use it anytime you're away from home. To order your Fake TV for only $34.95, go to FakeTV.com. Or call 1-877-5-FAKE-TV. Each additional fake TV is only $29.95. So get one for you and one for a loved one for safety, security, and peace of mind for both of you. Call 877-5-FAKE-TV or go to FakeTV.com. FakeTV.com, the burglar deterrent.
Hi, folks. Jason Lewis here. Did you know USA Today reports that nearly 20% of parents plan to take a second job to pay bills and support their families? Well, bravo. I applaud responsibility. But I have a far better idea, a way for you to stay home and earn that second income to pay bills or get ahead financially. I recommend starting your own Internet-based home business through IncomeAtHome.com. They can help you start earning money fast. No selling soap, no cold calling, and no pressure. No matter your age, education, or experience, you can do this in the comfort of your home. They provide the coaching and they bring potential customers to your home computer. You can literally earn money from your kitchen table. And you know I recommend IncomeAtHome.com to all of my listeners. So visit IncomeAtHome.com and check out the $1,000 giveaway. That's IncomeAtHome.com. Don't forget to tell them Jason Lewis sent you. That's IncomeAtHome.com, IncomeAtHome.com, IncomeAtHome.com. Hello, this is John Burroughs, one of the witnesses to the Rendlesham UFO incident. You're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. With Chris Rutkowski, it is now comfortable. You can feel comforted in talking about UFO cases. But I see the point there that if you see a UFO sighting, or you see a movie about something related to space people, you feel comforted that maybe the experience you had was not so strange. Another point, too, which some people who are involved in the more paranormal aspects of the question say, is that there may be other things going on with people who see UFOs. Maybe they have poltergeist phenomena, stuff like that, other types of events But the UFO is like the door opener. Once they feel comfortable with you talking about the UFO case, there are other things that will come forth. Are you seeing that in your research? I have seen that, and uh, I saw it very early uh, in my... uh in my research and investigations. In fact, back in the uh, 1970s, I had gone on a number of uh, digs. Uh, we don't hear the term used very much anymore, but it's, it's more like an archaeological dig where you go to an area where there hasn't been any UFO reports and just you just begin talking with people about uh, any ex- odd experiences they might have had. And uh, uh, I'd gone to an area where there had been some UFO cases just on the uh, the periphery, but nothing in this particular one county. We, we don't call them counties here in Canada, but that would be the equivalent. I had dropped in at the gas station and had dropped in at the country store and so forth. Somebody said, well, you should talk to uh, this fellow named Phil just down the road. So I meant to talk to, went to talk to Phil, and I'd said, Tim, have you seen any UFOs, anything strange flying in the sky? And Phil was very puzzled, and he was adamant, no, I ain't seen any of that sort of stuff because, you know, that's all nonsense. And if you don't mind, I'm very, very busy. I have to get back to what I'm doing. So I said, certainly, absolutely. At which time he pulled out his dowsing rods and started looking for a well, and I thought, well, you know, this is a bit, uh, this is a bit odd. <laughs> and I talked to him about that, and I said, well, you know, do you get these senses? Do you can sense things? Can you pick up the vibrations? He says, oh yeah, we, you know, uh, the house down the road, you know, they've had uh, hauntings and ghosts and, and all that sort of stuff going on for years now. But you didn't ask me about that. Um, and you know, the most extreme case, I remember this uh, as well from the, I think it was perhaps the early '80s, where a number of people had seen a uh, a UFO, and uh, it actually had created a landing uh, 
uh, site. There's some marks left in the ground, uh, and we went and looked at them and took measurements and samples and so forth. The following morning, a Sasquatch Bigfoot was reported from uh, about 100 feet away from that UFO landing site. Uh, now you're into Paracast country with that exactly. one. Exactly. Yeah, everybody just thought, oh, yeah, just one of those things, and nobody seemed to, to think it odd at all that uh, the two phenomena might be linked because it's just one of those things that happens to occur in this particular area of the country. So, yes, I have seen that overlap. In recent years, um, uh, of course, uh, the, when you start talking about orbs and photographs, for example, you kind of have to talk uh, with one foot into the psychic realm and one foot into the, uh, the alien realm because uh, people can't seem to decide whether orbs are one or the other, perhaps both. So, Well, how about uh, you, Chris? Uh, I mean, are we you're, – you're a professional astronomer are we, and an educator. Are we experiencing visitations from a – extraterrestrial civilization or, or are we dealing with something that's maybe more complex it's more a closed system maybe something that uh that you know our our planet is somehow is uh is producing well you know i i actually study this quite thoroughly because of the work of people like uh, uh, michael persinger and paul Devereaux regarding earth lights tectonic strain luminosities and so forth in fact i wrote a uh, one of my undergraduate theses was on the tectonic strain theory of uh, UFOs, uh, which was proposed by Michael Persinger, uh, where he said that uh, the uh, a very, very faint strain underneath uh, the ground uh, to a depth of uh, several miles, in some cases tens of miles, uh, can make its way to the surface through a series of, uh, of events and leap. Well, it's like a, a piezoelectric uh, phenomenon. Piezoelectric and tribal luminescence. There's a number of mechanisms that he was suggesting, and the lights jump into the air and can be seen as UFOs. And he correlated um, this in a number of papers which were published in scientific journals, um, where he showed that uh, minor earthquakes uh, in a particular area could generate UFO reports or were somehow related to UFO reports uh, many hundreds of miles away. Uh, and uh, I thought this was a bit odd because he used, in some cases, the data that we were publishing uh, for Canadian UFO reports. Uh, and uh, we know that, having just had the previous discussion before the, the break, that uh, many of the cases can be explained. I thought it odd that you can use the raw data of UFOs that are actually explained as air, airplanes, satellites, and uh, uh, planets. Uh, to show that there's a correlation between those sightings and earthquakes that show <laughs> there's some real real natural phenomenon going on. So I actually ended up studying the phenomenon in, in quite detail, and uh, uh, as I mentioned, I uh, produced my own uh, undergraduate thesis for one of my courses at university on this, uh, and I, I quibble with it. Now, I, I quibble with the mechanism. I don't doubt that uh, this can actually explain some UFO reports, um, but uh, earthquake lights and uh, tectonic strain lights are, are quite different. You mentioned piezoelectricity. That's certainly a, another aspect that we're talking about, and that's been used to try and explain uh, lights in places like um, Marfa, Texas, and Brown Mountain, and places like that. I know Ted Phillips has been seriously looking at this uh, in some of the places in Missouri that he's been looking at because the lights just seem to dance around and do their own thing. It's very possible that uh, there is some earth energy that's, that's doing this. And Paul Devereaux, of course, carried this to an extreme 
with the ley lines and uh, and uh, dragon lines and so forth in uh, England and other parts of Europe. Uh, I don't doubt that in some cases uh, these energies from inside the Earth can give rise to UFO reports, although... Uh, when you look at the data, many of the, the uh, cases that you're using as data in uh, trying to correlate this are reports where we know that there were aircraft or bolides or whatnot flying or being observed in the same area. So it's very, very difficult to, to correlate this one-on-one and assume some sort of causality. At the same time, we, we know there, there are UFO reports, we know there's possible energy creation. So I'm, again, I'm open to the possibility. I just don't think that we can embrace it wholeheartedly at this time. Let me ask you quickly just to kind of segue to something because we'd like to get into the Shag Harbor case before we let you go. And that is, over the past few weeks, people have been reporting strange sounds, strange noises in the sky. What are they hearing? Well... In its way, uh, this could be one of the worst things that ever happened to ufology, because uh, I don't know how that, uh, things can't get worse. Some pretty bad <laughs> they things couldn't have possibly happened. get worse. Well, this is an indication that perhaps they are. That uh, the sounds are being uh, heard all around the world, and they're almost automatically assumed by a lot of people to have something to do with UFOs, or that that the aliens have something to do with it. In fact, if you look at um, blogs and uh, Facebook posts by people, that the, the connection is automatically there. It's kind of funny how that works. Yeah. <laughs> and yet, um, the the uh, recordings, uh, some are on YouTube, some are uh, uh, just audio recordings that people have posted, they're, they're different in a lot of ways, and uh, they're recorded under different circumstances by different recording devices. Not all cell phones are perfect, and some people have fo- uh, audio recording on their cameras and video recorders, and some people are actually using microphones in the field. And so they're all recorded in different ways. So I, number one, I'd say there's no one explanation for all the odd noises that people are recording and, and playing for each other. It's simply Well, is, is it a collective delusion like pitted uh, windshields in Seattle and Vancouver? Uh, are, are, I, I or are we actually seeing something? Well, I don't think, I don't think it's a, not necessarily a collective delusion. There have been some cases. I know there's a case in Windsor and Detroit fairly recently where uh, they managed to triangulate the uh, sounds to a, a, a military base or a restricted area just south of Detroit somewhere. Okay, well, before uh, we get to the restricted area and other restrictions, we have this restriction. We have Chris Rutkowski with Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs. Convert from so many formats, I can't even list them. Download now to 
see if Graphic Converter is good for you, like one and a half million other users. Guess what? You could save money when you buy Graphic Converter. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL to get a special price for Graphic Converter. Go to LemkeSoft.com. That's L-E-M-K-E Soft.com. LemkeSoft.com. L-E-M-K-E Soft.com. Emergency preparedness plans must include a fast way to start a fire. Fire up instantly with the revolutionary Quick Stove, a compact, lightweight, portable stove that's ready for cooking in less than one minute. Quick Stove, the safe, non-explosive fuel source that is an emergency preparedness essential. Quick Stove comes with four waterproof fuel cells that ignite in seconds, burn for up to 90 minutes each, can be lit and relit, and be stored indefinitely. At up to 18,000 BTUs, Quick Stove is ready to boil water in less than five minutes and burns hotter than most outdoor stoves. Now the best part. Quick Stove starts at only $34.99 and comes with a 100% satisfaction or your money back guarantee. Order today at quickstove.com or call 801-784-0225. That's 801-784-0225 or go to quickstove.com. Click on the discounts tab for multi-unit savings. Quick Stove, quite possibly the world's fastest outdoor fire. Warning, the unprepared may not survive the next natural disaster, terrorist attack, pandemic, or economic collapse. In light of recent global unrest and natural disasters, we bring you this urgent message from David Morris, author of the acclaimed Urban Survival Course. Because this message is urgent, we won't waste time on the why you should act now. You already know why. It's the very real and growing dangers reported in the media every day. Now it's the what you must do. Go to freesurvivalminicourse.com and claim your free Urban Survival Mini course that will prepare you right in your own home. Today, David Morris is offering you instant access to a seven-part urban survival mini course at freesurvivalminicourse.com. You should already be at your keyboard. Enough talk. Act now while you still have time and while it's still free. freesurvivalminicourse.com. freesurvivalminicourse.com or call 800-366-5138. 800-366-5138. You'll be glad you did. Digestive health is the key to wellness and elimination of toxins. That bears repeating. Digestive health is the key to wellness and elimination of toxins. And Pro-EM-1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse is the key to digestive health. Pro-EM-1 is a powerful liquid probiotic, strong enough to cleanse, gentle enough to use every day. Pro-EM-1 is dairy, wheat, and soy-free, contains all-natural and certified organic ingredients, contains no preservatives or animal products, supports a healthy digestive and immune system, supports weight loss, improves absorption of food nutrients, aids in controlling yeast infections, is never freeze-dried, and uses three groups of live, viable, beneficial microbes to cleanse and remove toxins. Order Pro-EM-1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse at Terraganics.com, spelled T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X.com, Terraganics.com. Or call toll-free 866-369-3678. That's 866-369-3678. Pro-EM-1, the raw probiotic. This is Jim Mosley, editor of Saucer Smear, and I'm here to say a good word or two about the Paracast, which I believe is the gold standard of paranormal radio. Listen to it if you can. This is the show with Chris and Chris. Rutkowski and O'Brien with Gene Steinberg. 
Sometimes and, you're, you're confusing me when you say, well, Chris said, and I'm like, thinking, that's right. I'm doing that deliberately. You see, my intention when we have a situation where we have the name conflict is to either maybe call our Chris, Christopher, or call him go. Trickster Person. Oh, don't go there. Everybody will dog you. They well, already you do. know what happened? Gene, actually, now that you mention it, I have been in so many bands with another Chris. So I adopted my, my original Chris, uh, Chris name, which is K.K. Barnes, Kim Keegan Barnes. So we can just call me K.K. Okay, it's a deal. I, I can also be called the old guy, too. I don't think you can even get close to Gene. <laughs> no, the only person on the planet who's older than I am is Jim Mosley. <laughs> Stan Friedman doesn't hold a candle to, you, to that either, huh? Well, let's just say he's somewhere in the middle. Okay. <laughs> okay. That's where it comes. Okay, so some of these sounds were traced to a military base in Detroit? Just south of Detroit. Just and, south of uh, Detroit, okay. And it seems that there's some, some activity there. And I suspect that in other areas around the, the country, uh, there's a few things like that. Because a lot of people live uh, within, let's say, 10 miles of an interstate within 10 miles of a shipping depot. There's a lot of things that, that could be causing rumbling sounds, and the rumbling sounds themselves are of different timber, of different quality. I've listened to a whole bunch on YouTube recently, and they all seem to be different. Now, that may be a characteristic of the quality of YouTube, of the cameras, of the cell phones, but they all seem to be different. There's some metallic sounds that people are hearing. There's even some that are, are being described as chirping. Uh, it, they're all different. So I, I, this is why I emphasize, I don't think uh, there's one explanation for everything, but there's probably a series of explanations. And I would use the analogy of UFOs, that there's probably explanations or possible explanations for a large percentage. And there may be a remnant of 3, 4, 5% of all the claimed mysterious sounds that don't fall into some easy categories, but I don't think they have much to do with the aliens. I, I, I suspect it has something to do with uh, military operations or natural sounds. I mean, it's not a new phenomenon either. We can go back and listen to things like the barizal guns, if we still get those. Uh, right, the Taos hum, the Kokomo hum. Exactly. Kokomo hum, mysterious hums have been going on and being recorded for for decades. So this is not new. I think what is new is that people um, have an easier time of recording these things now. In fact, there was a study on, uh, actually not a study, but a survey on Reddit. I don't know how many of your listeners are also on Reddit or Redditors, but uh, somebody spent some time looking through all the uh, identities of the posters who are posting videos and other recordings of the hums and the, the rumblings and so forth. And they found some consistencies in that a lot of them were conspiracy theorists. So automatically there's some suspicion that somebody's posting things that they, autom that they think are mysterious themselves without being particularly objective about it. So maybe there's something to the sounds and maybe not, but I simply don't think we have enough evidence to automatically assume that they're all alien or all volcanic rumblings or all government conspiracies and certainly not all of them are going to be due to harp uh, maybe we haven't switched it on yet this year who knows <laughs> or it's the sound of the approaching end of the world we're getting there well it's 2012 but have you seen this year other than the strange sounds any increases in the number of sightings when you go do your blog there's a whole bunch of sightings in canada for the first few weeks of the year Yes, as a matter of fact, that is puzzling, the fact that we had so many at the beginning of the year. We normally get 
a small percentage compared to the the bulk of the year uh, in in the first month of every year. I mean, January tends to be slow. Most UFO reports come from July. We normally get uh, normally we get uh, reports uh, of the order of uh, uh, you know July August tend to be the highest number of uh, uh, of reports, and January is very very low. But uh, in 2012. Uh, we had a very big bump. Uh, I, I think we're looking at something like uh, 50 or 60 or 70 reports for Canada for January alone. Uh, and, uh, you know, the other areas of the United States have also had uh, very, very significant uh, report numbers. So uh, there, there seems to be a very big bump. We know that many of the cases, we've actually been able to establish this, you mentioned uh, Chinese lanterns uh, towards the beginning of the show. We know that a lot of the cases in uh, the first few days of January, and again, there's dozens of them, were due to people setting off Chinese lanterns and, and watching them go as part of a celebration. So we suspect that many of them are those, but at the same time, there are some reports that don't sound at all like Chinese lanterns. So we're not sure what's going on, but uh, we certainly started uh, 2012 off with a real bang in terms of numbers of UFO reports across North America. I know MUFON's been mentioning it in the last issue of their journal. I'll tell you what, though. We know about the big sightings you know, in the past and whether we'll, any of these sightings will be as significant remains to be seen. But let's go to, as what Chris O'Brien or our, our KK or whatever he wants to be called, K person <laughs> or K Keegan. Tim Keegan, how's that? K Keegan Barnes. Whatever, I can't remember K, that. You can call him KK, but you don't have to call him KKK. That, yeah, please. Oh, yeah, I like don't, that. Don't go the extra mile. No, okay. No, no. So, KK mentioned, of course, you cut your teeth on Shag Harbor. Let's revisit Shag Harbor for listeners who haven't had the full story. Let's take a voyage Actually, back was, through time. It was Chris Stiles, another Chris, who uh, really did all of the legwork on the uh, the Shag Harbor, although it was part of the big uh, wave and uh, flap in Canada in 1967, where we saw the Falcon Lake case in 1967 in Canada, Shag Harbor in 1967. There was a case in Charleswood, Manitoba in 1967. It seemed that the 1960s were very good for UFOs in Canada, and Shag Harbor is one of the classic cases where... Um, uh, a number of people had uh, reported seeing lights moving around on shore uh, just off the coast of uh, Nova Scotia uh, in uh, in Canada. And uh, they had seen a brilliant object seem to fall out of the sky onto the, uh, the water, onto the ocean, uh, not too far away from shore. And uh, it was reported to the RCMP. Um, and the RCMP were, were notified. They uh, enlisted the assistance of a number of uh, fishermen who went out in boats, and they could see a, a light on the surface of the water that uh, extinguished shortly after uh, they had started making their way towards it. But when they got to where this light had been, there was uh, a, a glowing green scum or, or uh, diffuse material floating on the surface of the water and directly on, underneath the surface of the water. And they had uh, studied it for some time. They, they tried to, to look around for debris, but there was nothing. And eventually the, uh, the glow dissipated, and that was that. Now, there were attempts to try and find what had crashed into the ocean, 
uh, divers had come in. Uh, there were stories that the military had been brought in to uh, to go to the bottom of the bay and try and find things. And the story officially was that nothing had been discovered. Now, since then, the number of documents had been re- recovered through uh, Freedom of Information Act uh, here in Canada, which is called Access to Information. And uh, Chris Stiles and Don Ledger and, uh, and other individuals who worked very hard on this uh, found evidence that there seemed to have been some sort of cover-up, that there was military activity, there are stories of something being brought out uh, from the water, loaded onto a flatbed trailer and taken away, which is exactly what you might imagine uh, might have occurred. Uh, and yet the official story is that uh, nothing was recovered. Not that nothing happened. In fact, this is what makes Canada's Roswell different from Roswell in the sense that we have documentation that something really did happen. The Royal Canadian Mounted Police uh, have their files. The, uh, the Air Force has its files. And they all affirm that something actually occurred, but that simply nothing had been recovered from underneath the water. And that makes it very different from Roswell, because uh, Roswell, you can't, uh, uh, we simply don't have uh, the government admitting that anything happened whatsoever. Do you think anything happened at Roswell, just parenthetically? Uh, yeah, I do think something happened, uh, whether it was uh, an alien's cr- alien ship or a, uh, a military a device that went astray tragically. I'm not sure. I, uh, as you may have heard, I'm part of uh, uh, Kevin Randall's dream team, <laughs> as it's been called. Well, I'll uh, tell you what, just to tell you that the next episode of the Paracast will feature Kevin Randall, who will tell us about the dream team, and we're also going to have Jim Mosley on that episode, ladies and gentlemen. This is going to be some kind of show. Chris Rutkowski is here now, a member of the Roswell Dream Team. With Gene and KK, you're in the Paracast. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN Great Talk Radio starts here. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you own an Apple iPhone and love to listen to your favorite programs on GCN, I've got good news for you. I'm proud to announce that GCN has a brand new iPhone app available for our dedicated listeners at GCNlive.com. Listen to your favorite hard-hitting GCN programs live or on demand right on your iPhone. And the best part? The GCN iPhone app can be yours absolutely free. Download the iPhone app today by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. I'm not going to get accustomed to this KK thing. No, no, I don't think you should. You know what? But you see if I get mad at him. I just hit him with this. Hey, KK, 
Enough of the stuff, KK. We have KK, okay. we have Gene, we hey, have Chris hey, that's, my, that's my stage name, dude. Hey, dude. Okay. I had a stage name once, but you don't want to hear it. Okay, so you're part of, before we get back to Shag Harbor, you're part of the Roswell Dream Team. How'd you get sucked into that assignment? <laughs> uh, you're asked. sorry to say now. <laughs> I was simply asked. Kevin had, uh, well, you know, I've known Kevin for a number of years, and uh, we've been corresponding on a, a number of uh, items. They were looking for someone who really was, you know, knowledgeable about uh, some of the work that had been done uh, on the Roswell case investigation, but not someone who was directly involved so that they could be uh, sort of independent and objective assessors of uh, what, uh, what some of the reinvestigations uh, and uh, rediscoveries can, uh, can find. I guess I have a reputation, as again, we've said it right from the top of the show, uh, I uh, tend not to believe nor disbelieve. In fact, I often say I don't think you should believe the believers, uh, but I think you should be skeptical of skeptics. And with that reputation, I guess I, I ha- I've been sort of uh, viewed as the, I don't know, independent uh, objective assessor, if that's possible. That's possible. And also the reality check. A reality check, yeah. Let's, let's step back a little bit and take a look. What are the points of evidence that we really have? Are they really valid? Are there really no other explanations? Are, is you know this particular avenue a false uh, hope? Are, are there red herrings involved? What's really going on? In fact, uh, that was the subtitle of my book on abductions. Uh, what's really going on? You know, let's forget about the subterfuge and the biases. Let's take a look at what's really going on. And uh, Well, Chris, do you think you're, you're ever going to be able to, I don't care how blue ribbon and august a panel is that reexamines Roswell, do you think there's ever a snowball's chance in hell that we're going to find out the definitive answer to what happened at Roswell? I don't know. Uh, I'm willing to look at evidence and uh, to try and assess what's really going on. Uh, I think there's probably some evidence that remains to be uncovered in terms of documenting some of the military activity, uh, some uh, uh, sort of the procedural evidence, what was uh, being said, some witnesses that may still be, you know, certainly not the witnesses mm. alive, but some, some <laughs> I'm not sure. Or, I think we're going to need a Ouija board or a medium yeah, to really recover something. some of that. But, but certainly some, some family mes- memories, perhaps some diaries, some journals, that type of thing, and certainly so the possibility that there might be some documents. Although my view on documents uh, it tends to be pretty uh, skeptical in that. I, I really don't think that... Uh, with the length of time that's passed, we're going to be finding any uh, particular documents that are going to be, uh, uh, you know, saying yes, we definitely have the saucer or anything like that. But it's, I think it's possible that there was a, you know, some sort of military exercise going on. No, I don't think it was the uh, Werner von Braun down the road of White Sands. Yeah, well, they're not necessarily the skyhook balloons or the the mogul balloons or or the dummies or whatever. I, I suspect that there was something going on. I mean, Operation Paperclip was going on in that area, and that was the, the project that brought German scientists uh, to the United States uh, from working on the V-2 uh, rocket program. So there was some interesting stuff going on at that time, and there probably is some documentation that we haven't seen yet regarding those types of exercises. Uh, remember that we, uh, you know, the Charles Mantell case was never fully explained until the U.S. Navy fessed up that it had a secret project going on. So... Uh, I think there's a possibility there is evidence to be uncovered yet, but uh, we have to be very careful in assessing the evidence. And whether it's aliens or, or something else, I think we have to keep a completely open mind. And that's that's the best way to, to, for science to approach any subject. Yeah, anyway. it's the only way. It's the only way Absolutely. you can approach it. But, but Chris, you want to make a bet? 
<laughs> I'll bet you. There's nothing there? What you might uncover are questionable documents. That's the only real, to me, that's the only possible thing that could come out of this in terms of new information. I mean, that poor mule's been flogged and every which way but loose. And I think a, a case like Shag Harbor, which I'm sure was very impressive uh, to you uh, growing up, as it was, I, I think, a lot of Canadians. It's uh, Speaking of good Canadian cases, give us your top three cases and tell us why you think they're the, the most compelling Canadian cases. Okay. Uh, I think certainly Shag is one of them, but I would actually place uh, the Falcon Lake case above that one. This happened also in 1967, where uh, an amateur prospector was uh, alone by himself in the uh, in the woods in an isolated area of uh, Manitoba near the Saskatchewan, sorry, near the Ontario border, which is sort of straight up from Minnesota. A flying saucer, for all intents and purposes, a Hollywood-style saucer-shaped object, landed on a rock outcropping not too far from him. He approached it. Uh, he drew some uh, diagrams. Uh, an opening appeared, he stuck his head in, he touched the side of it, it was hot, it melted his gloves. The opening shut, and a blast of hot gas set his clothing on fire and uh, pine needles and so forth on fire, uh, and the thing took off. Uh, he was treated by doctors, he went to the Mayo Clinic for treatment, Mayo Clinic psychiatrist, note the inclusion of a psychiatrist in the UFO study, decided that uh, this man does not make up things. His background was such that he was a very solid individual. There were marks on the ground. The pine needles were discovered. It was investigated by the United States Air Force. In fact, it's included as case number 22 in uh, the Condon Report. The conclusion in the Condon Report that... Uh, uh, it was unexplained, that there was no explanation for what had occurred. There was radiation that was found at the site. Uh, there was physical evidence. He was physically ill. Uh, and we have several hundred official documents, ranging from United States Air Force docs, Canadian Air Force docs, uh, uh, RCMP, uh, other police, other officials. We have all the documentation that this definitely occurred. And what's more, this fellow never spoke in terms of alien spaceships. He thought it was some sort of military craft that he was burned by, maybe an early Apollo landing something or other. And, Interesting, uh, Chris, that you mentioned uh, that the U.S. Air Force was involved. What was their official capacity? Were, uh, now, are you talking about investigators uh, attached to the Condon Report, or did the U.S. Uh, Air Force actually assist in a Canadian case like this? This was a Blue Book case investigation. So, of course, uh, uh, Blue Book uh, being an international uh, uh, you know, gathering uh, group, uh, the way the project was designed, uh, it uh, routinely uh, included uh, Canadian cases. In fact, there's many, many Canadian cases in Blue Book. Uh, so they, uh, they came up to investigate uh, themselves. So uh, it was a, quite, a, uh, quite a remarkable uh, case investigation that uh, that still has people scratching their heads to this day. Now, here's the; those are just two of the cases, and if I was to pick uh, a third one, I might include a case called Langenberg, uh, which is in uh, Saskatchewan. Uh, it happened in 1974, where a, a farmer named Edwin Fuhrer was uh, uh, on, on a tractor, and uh, as he was going through some tall grass on top of the tractor, he thought what he he saw what he thought were uh, a number of duck blinds uh, scattered around. And, of course, it was illegal to uh, to set up duck blinds on private property, so he decided he was going to get closer and then hop down and give the hunters a, 
a piece of his mind and uh, shake a stick or two at them. And uh, But uh, when he got closer, he thought that these duck blinds were actually sort of uh, metallic, shiny silver, upside-down bowls spinning very, very rapidly in the tall grass. And as he uh, approached and they got closer, they took off one by one into the air and uh, flew away, and they left behind swirled patches in the uh, in the field. The uh, patches uh, looked for... <laughs> You know, for any comparison, like uh, modern-day crop circles, except this was 1974, and uh, it was studied by uh, uh, QFOS at the time. I think that uh, uh, April also had a hand in this as well. It was very intensely investigated. John Timmerman uh, liked to uh, speak about it. He actually went to Langenberg uh, about uh, maybe uh, uh, in the 1990s uh, to speak with uh, the farmer once again. And I had occasion to speak with him and a number of people in the area. And it's a very fascinating case, uh, physical evidence, UFO reports. And uh, uh, the witness was interviewed very thoroughly, and his story hasn't been shaken uh, at all. So, yeah, Chris Rutkowski talking to Gene and KK. <laughs> You're in the Paracast. Are you ready to order the official Paracast t-shirt? You asked, we answered. We're now taking orders for the official Paracast t-shirt. It comes in white, 100% cotton. The front of it features the same logo that we have on our community forums. On the back it says, separating signal from noise. To order the official Paracast t-shirt, here's all you have to do. Visit our new online store at store.theparacast.com. One more time that's store.theparacast.com you can use a major credit card to place your order for the official paracast t-shirt hey neighbors we have one more thing to talk about and that's more merchandise at the official paracast store we have hats we have jackets we even have a flip video camcorder customized with the paracast logo at the official paracast store it's all now available at the official paracast store store.theparacast.com Gold isn't for you? Ted Anderson, president of Midas Resources, one of the world's premier gold and precious metal investing firms. I get it. You wouldn't buy gold if you believed that the government is doing a great job, that the Fed will stop handing out trillions of dollars like bailout candy, that Social Security would be there for you. That's not what's happening. You might even pass on gold if the stimulus package wouldn't fuel inflation, or that the dollar wouldn't lose value, or that your retirement would be secure. If all looks rosy to you, then now is not the time to buy gold. For the realist, there have never been more sobering reasons to diversify with gold. Since 2001, the U.S. dollar index has tanked 30% while gold has risen 300%. Right now, savvy investors are adding gold to their portfolios. You should, too. Find out what they know. Call us and I'll send you 10 reasons why gold will do very well, free. 800-686-2237. 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. Listeners, it's Jason Lewis, and now that the holidays have come and gone, it's time to get serious about our New Year's resolutions. For 2012, resolve to protect your most valuable asset, your family. Daily, we hear about all the crazy stuff happening around the world, unemployment, food shortages, natural disasters, just to name a few. For my preparation, I recommend wisefoodstorage.com. Wisefoodstorage.com offers delicious ready-made meals like cheesy lasagna and savory stroganoff, 
that are packaged for freshness in individual metal Mylar pouches and carry a 25-year shelf life. Visit wisefoodstorage.com today to request a free entree sample. And for a limited time, enter the promo code LEWIS to get no-cost shipping on any order. That's wisefoodstorage.com or call 855-FOODWISE. That's 855-366-3947 and enter promo code LEWIS for a free sample and free shipping on any order. Peace of mind, the greatest gift you can give to the ones you love. Hi, I'm Mark Craighead, founder of Crossbreed Holsters. I designed our top-selling holster, the Super Tuck Deluxe, to solve the problems of being poked, pinched, and gouged while carrying concealed. The Super Tuck Deluxe is the most comfortable, most concealable holster on the market today. We offer a two-week free trial and a lifetime warranty. Visit us at crossbreedholsters.com. Don't forget, crossbreedholsters.com. In a coming-apart world, you need something to keep it tied together. That something is Atwood Rope, the highest quality rope made in the USA from exotic braids for military, rescue, arborists, shipyards, tow line, or boating. Quality rope at affordable prices you and your customers can depend on. Find a dealer or shop online at atwoodrope.net. Enter promo code RADIO to receive 100 feet of 550 paracord free with purchase. Atwood Rope, working to keep the world tied together. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And if you'd like to catch up on past episodes, we have hundreds of shows for you to download direct from theparacast.com. That's theparacast.com. Or check us out at iTunes. So you see, long time ago I thought I had a co-host named Chris O'Brien, but he's really K.K. Barnes, right? Last time I checked my birth certificate. Okay, well that's where you go. And we have Chris Rutkowski. Chris, you don't have another name to mention, do you? No, no, not, not right now. No, I think uh, Chris Rutkowski is enough of a mouthful. Okay, Gene Steinberg certainly does it for everybody. They <laughs> hear that name once and say, that's it, forget about it. Seriously well, speaking. How about the, uh, was it the Michelac? Is that how you pronounce his name? Wasn't that a Canadian case, the guy that got, got zapped? That is the Falcon Lake case. <laughs> okay, okay. And how do you pronounce his name? Well, if you pronounce it as the family pronounces it, it's uh, Stefan Mihalik, but everybody says it's Stephen Michalak. So Michalak, okay, okay. I, I was confused there because the details sounded familiar. Um, I was hoping that you would mention that case. Yeah. Of course, Jacques Vallée covered it. Uh, it's been mentioned in, in quite a number of books. Yeah, and it's been redone, uh, Unsolved Mysteries, featured it in a segment, uh, right. uh, A&E's Unexplained Sightings. It's been done a number of times because it's really so good. It's it's absolutely fascinating. And uh, In fact, if people want to uh, come up to that area of Canada uh, for a vacation, you can actually go to the, the exact site um, <laughs> where this happened. They actually uh, You can actually go on a horseback ride, a uh, mule pack ride in, for I guess 50 bucks a person or something like that, and uh, with a tour guide who will tell you the whole story and show you exactly where it happened, and you can get a t-shirt and the whole thing. So, <laughs> it's, Dang, it uh, sounds like Sedona. <laughs> That's right. If you want UFO tourism, there's another place to go. Well, you know, Chris is getting involved now. Our Chris or KK. I did Barnes. my first one. Oh my right. god! We have KK Barnes is now 
sponsoring these UFO sightseeing voyages. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. It's first class charter and tours. Okay. But if they pay enough money, they get KK. Uh, Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, how about some other cases? I mean, how about the work of Brian Vike? I've I've been corresponding loosely with him for years. There's a ton of stuff that goes on on the west coast of Canada. All the way up into into the Alaskan Panhandle. Uh, I've been all up and down the Canadian Rockies. It's one of the most beautiful stretches on the planet, and we do have quite a number of interesting sightings from the West Coast uh, areas uh, over to the Front Range in Alberta and uh, and uh, out into the plains. Uh, absolutely. In fact, you can even go a little bit further and go into the Yukon, which has another uh, fascinating classic case uh, dating back into the 1990s. So it's a little bit newer. Uh, and this one was actually investigated um, by uh, a number of people in, uh, in British Columbia. But uh, the, the uh, case involved uh, a very large object. And this happened in the, in the dead of winter, very, very cold, as you can imagine, in the Yukon. And a number of people traveling on a highway near Carmax in the Yukon uh, had reported seeing, uh, or they, they had seen, uh, a, a very large object uh, that was, you know, hundreds of feet across with apparently some windows. Uh, and they watched this thing move very, very slowly and silently over the road down the length of a very, very long ribbon-like lake surrounded on both sides by very high mountains. And it turns out that other people all the way down the uh, lake had reported seeing the exact same object, but at different times corresponding with the length of time this thing must have taken to travel the length of uh, this uh, lake. The most fascinating thing is that um, we didn't hear about this case until uh, one particular investigator had spent some time going up north. He actually physically went up north to the Yukon and went from town to town because there had only been a a rumor, one particular rumor that something may have been seen. Once he started talking with people person to person, he eventually uncovered 35 different individuals who had not known of each other's existence, had not talked with each other, describing the exact same case, exact same object, very, very large. Imagine a, a classic close encounters of the third kind you know, upside-down chandelier type of thing, flying uh, over this lake. Everyone had reported the exact same thing. They had not come forward. This is, they had not been publicized in media whatsoever. It had not been previously uh, reported anywhere. And only through the diligent investigation of uh, one particular individual did uh, the uh, the case ever come to light whatsoever. And, it, you know, to this to this day stands as one of the best witnessed uh, cases in all of Canada. Ooh. <laughs> I beat you. Um, hey, I've been up there. I, I, I mean, you use the word highway in the same sentence as Yukon. Having been up there, uh, we're talking about vast, vast land with nobody on it. I mean, individuals up there, there may be, what, one person for every 20 square miles, maybe, even yeah. more, 30, 40, yeah. 50? And the, and, the, and the towns are very few and far between, and, and they just, because uh, it's right along this, this lake. And uh, so are the gas like, stations. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, so basically stations. your iPhone does not work there. Yeah, you wouldn't be able to get too much uh, cell phone service up there, that's for sure. <laughs> No, I'm Gene, not going. I'm don't not book going. a vacation, Gene. <laughs> no, I'm not going. I've got to have the Wi-Fi. <laughs> if I don't have my broadband, I 
am helpless. Your MTV. <laughs> I want my... No, I can live without the TV. i got to have my iPhone. My wife yeah. has to have her iPad. We've become spoiled. Yeah. But when you find... When you go into those areas that are so sparsely populated, do you find a fairly decent percentage of strange events? Um, I would say yes. As a matter of fact, um, just over the past two or three months, uh, we've uncovered another location in Canada. We actually haven't talked very much about this publicly at all. Um, in fact, it was brought to my attention uh, by a, uh, a television crew from Quebec. And uh, they're actually soliciting reports from northern Quebec uh, in an area uh, mostly indigenous population uh, near what's called James Bay, uh, which is just uh, a chunk of, of Hudson Bay, which is you know quite a bit north. In fact, it's uh, uh, well maybe maybe eight hours uh, north of any kind of civilization, uh, and uh, the area was uh, populated. And there's a road up there now, thanks to the fact that they're they've been building uh, hydroelectric uh, dams and so forth, and reaching further and further uh, into the isolated areas of the Canadian Shield. And what's happened is that as the, uh, as the road got built and more and more people started traveling through the area, um, some of the locals started talking about things that had been occurring to them. And this, what's called the James Bay area of Quebec, uh, seems to be very, very, um, you know, I don't know, have had a, has had a lot of unusual things happening from lights chasing uh, people driving on the road, I wouldn't describe it as a highway, kind of like the Yukon, uh, two lanes uh, surrounded by thick bush, but uh, uh, very bright uh, objects chasing people, and then in the, the few towns that there are up there, very large objects, structured objects, moving slowly and ponderously uh, over some of the houses, uh, frightening the bejeebers out of uh, some of the, the people living up there. I'll tell you, uh, our benefactors will be frightened, their bejeebers will be frightened, and lots of other things that we don't break here. With Chris Rutkowski, with Gene and KK, you're in the Paracast. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com has the United States been discovered in the Bible? Where does Islam fit in Bible prophecy? Is the new world order world government? These and other crucial end-time questions are answered in the new DVD package, Understanding the End Time, from End Time Ministries. 
Jesus Christ said, I tell you these things before they come to pass, so that when they do come to pass, you might believe. After you watch this 14-lesson DVD series, Understanding the End Time, you'll know more about Bible prophecy than the average seminary graduate. This DVD package normally sells for $280, but now is only $199. Order Understanding the End Time DVD package at endtime.com today for only $199 or call 1-800-END-TIME. That's 1-800-363-8463. 1-800-363-8463 or endtime.com. That's what it sounds like when a burglar kicks in the door of a dark house that looks like no one is home. Don't let your home be the next target. Make it look like someone is home watching television with Fake TV. Fake TV is a small electronic device that makes the same light as a real television. So from outside, it looks like someone is home watching TV. Fake TV plugs in just like a lamp on a timer, but is far more convincing to burglars. Fake TV deters burglars, costs far less than an alarm, and is highly recommended by numerous police departments. Use it anytime you're away from home. To order your Fake TV for only $34.95, go to FakeTV.com. Or call 1-877-5-FAKE-TV. Each additional fake TV is only $29.95. So get one for you and one for a loved one for safety, security, and peace of mind for both of you. Call 877-5-FAKE-TV or go to faketv.com. Faketv.com, the burglar deterrent. Hi, folks. Jason Lewis here. Did you know USA Today reports that nearly 20% of parents plan to take a second job to pay bills and support their families? Well, bravo. I applaud responsibility. But I have a far better idea, a way for you to stay home and earn that second income to pay bills or get ahead financially. I recommend starting your own Internet-based home business through IncomeAtHome.com. They can help you start earning money fast. No selling soap, no cold calling, and no pressure. No matter your age, education, or experience, you can do this in the comfort of your home. They provide the coaching and they bring potential customers to your home computer. You can literally earn money from your kitchen table. And you know, I recommend IncomeAtHome.com to all of my listeners. So visit IncomeAtHome.com and check out the $1,000 giveaway. That's IncomeAtHome.com. Don't forget to tell them Jason Lewis sent you. That's IncomeAtHome.com, IncomeAtHome.com, IncomeAtHome.com. My name is Richard Dolan. You're listening to the Paracast. We have the famous K.K. Barnes is going to regale us with uh, some musical tidbits and interludes, but not on this show. (laughs) We're talking to Chris Rutkowski. We've gone to Quebec. We've gone to the sparsely populated areas of Canada and we find all sorts of strange things going on, all sorts of weird goings on over there. Indeed, and you know we're uh, we're just in the process of working on the uh, 2011 Canadian Canadian UFO survey. Uh, we haven't finished working on uh, the uh, the full report yet, but I can tell you that uh, while not a record number, we're we're approaching record numbers, and uh, the highest number of UFO reports uh, in Canada for any one year was 2008, when there there is uh, more than 1,000 cases uh, reported uh, in one year. And previously, we've been hovering around seven, eight, nine hundred reports per year, and I think that's where we were for 
2009 and 2010. Of the cases, the increase of cases, do you find more wheat in the chaff there? More cases that can't be explained? Yeah, I think we do. It seems to be a constant percentage you know that you know we're talking one, two, three, four, five percent of the unexplained. So the more cases we get, the higher the number of very unusual cases that we'll receive every year. So it is actually beneficial to get as many cases as possible to try and find details. Of course, we can't possibly investigate all of that ourselves, and uh, we rely on individuals from one end of the country to the other. Uh, who perhaps have their own groups, who are webmasters for online groups, and for people who uh, take it upon themselves to investigate in their um, own local regions to help us gather the, the data. I mean, Sault Ste. Clair in, in Ontario uh, does some work. Uh, you mentioned Brian Vike in B.C., Jim Maroney in, in Alberta. There's other individuals in, uh, uh, in other parts of Canada. And uh, what we get ourselves through uh, ufology research here in Manitoba uh, we do get uh, certain numbers of cases. We also get reports uh, given to us by the government of Canada, uh, which makes our status uh, relatively unique in, in ufology. We get uh, reports that we glean from places like uh, YouTube and Facebook. And, uh, you know, Twitter has been a, a great way of getting case information and making contact with witnesses over the past few years as well. So we're finding more and more information and cases are finding their way to us. Witnesses are reporting what they've experienced. And it does seem that people are slowly becoming um, more comfortable with reporting what they've seen, especially in forums like Facebook, where there's uh, many, many different groups where uh, people can uh, discuss and uh, uh, you know, bounce some ideas off one another. So there, I think we're in a kind of a new renaissance where UFO reports and UFO reporting are are going to be becoming more and more commonplace. They're going to be easier to get more information. Certainly, we're going to get a lot more noise. If it gets fashionable, we right, and that's lot, the big question here too. Is it because there are more cases to be found, or because people are now more comfortable with these social networking environments to talk about things like this, or a combination? I, well, it's probably a combination, but I think it's the more of the people being more comfortable. I think there's always been people seeing things in the sky but not knowing who to report things to or how to report them. I think uh, the fact that uh, it's becoming more easier and more commonplace for people to, I know, for example, on Twitter, I'm uh, seeing people say, hey, you know, I just saw something. Uh, who do I report it to? And you can actually look at those tweets and, and uh, try and reply to them directly. Yeah, in real time. More information. Pardon me? In real time, exactly. Yeah, in real time. Yeah, and, and that was uh, one of the ideas from uh, some of the early uh, FIDO.net groups, like the alt-ufo.reports, which I actually had moderated at one point, and the theory was that everybody could be on there at the same time reporting and exchanging information, and unfortunately a lot of spammers got involved, and that killed that idea. Well, in the San Luis Valley, we're putting together a triangulated high-def camera array, pan-tilt-zoom-operated you know, motion, tra- motion detection, motion tracking. And then we're going to have a Skywatch channel for the local community to always have it on. And if we have an event, we're going to have a, uh, uh, an alert scrolled across the bottom of all the other channels. That's, that's brilliant. And it shows you that what the technology can be used for and can be used effectively. I, I applaud you guys for doing that. That's, uh, that's a brilliant way of using the technology. In Norway, uh, Hestelin did something very similar where they had the, the cameras going. And the There's cameras. a lot of problems up there. 
Yeah, a lot of problems too, but the, the, the technology is out there and can be used in so many great ways, and uh, the, you know, your project uh, down there sounds, uh, sounds perfect. Well, looking at the kind of work that you're doing, are we seeing any progress in getting the scientific community to start really looking at it, not just pockets of it? No, I think the scientific community is still very, very jaded, and uh, I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that uh, a lot of the information that's being published now uh, online and uh, in print form uh, is by uh, by people who are uh, well-meaning, but they just don't have the scientific training and background to really sort through and have good methodology, uh, and it's scaring them away. And in fact, uh, I suspect that if anything, scientists are now even more leery of uh, uh, paranormal or unusual events than ever before. And part of that is because um, their own professions, uh, whether they're biologists or astronomers or archaeologists, uh, are making progress at such uh, incredible pace and the communication uh, and the compartmentalization and specialization is, is getting so so very uh, deep that... Uh, uh, to venture out into an area where the research funding isn't there and, and because they, they all, all scientists work where they're going to be getting some grant funding, uh, that, that it's going to be very difficult for people to, you know, to have their reputations tarnished by looking into a field that, from their standpoint, isn't worth very much at all. So I wish it wasn't so, but I, I have a feeling that the scientific community is getting a little bit further away from ufology, and that's why projects like yours and certainly the Canadian UFO survey are invaluable for uh, presenting uh, good case data and good information to the scientific community so that we can say, hey, you're not gathering the data yourself, but here's some data that's been gathered very metho- uh, with good methodology. and with Yeah, good methodology, very important. Yeah, yeah. so that we take a look at this stuff. Well, well, thank you, and and we are, you know, making making strides on on actually getting the software developed. That's that's the real, that's the real curve uh, in terms of development on, on the project is getting the motion, uh, event detection and tracking and coordination between the cameras. Uh, I mean, that's all. That's <laughs> that's a lot of writing uh, well, code, right? And the technology is uh, is is really the the whole story here. As a matter of fact, I just uh, reviewed. It's the there. Code. The technology's there. It's just the time that it takes to to uh, tweak code and and you know do all the necessary software work that needs to be done development wise. Right, and I just reviewed a, a a book by an astronomer named Dmitry Sasasov uh, uh, about uh, search for life in the universe. And in that book, uh, Sasanov makes the uh, statement that uh, uh, anyone, almost anyone today can become a planetary or an exobiology uh, astronomer by because the technology and the software uh, is so commonplace you could do it with a small scope from your backyard with a decent computer and you can blaze refraction grading and 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 separate the light into light spectra and it's going to be hard for an optical physicist to argue with uh, properly you know gathered data with the proper methodology indeed indeed so you know the technology is really uh, allowing some, some fascinating developments in all fields and i certainly look forward to what it can do for ufology but it doesn't uh, negate the fact that the very foundation of ufology is case investigation 
And I've made the, the, the statement a number of times that I think case investigation in terms of UFOs is almost dead as an art form or a science. Yeah, I um, agree. And uh, it's something that, that we really do need. It's not enough to say, you know, that uh, there have been 10 sightings in, in Nebraska. Yeah, you need to not only investigate the case real-time on the ground, but you need to go back and visit these people and see how it affected their reality. I'll tell you what, we have this reality that has to be impacted. Chris Rutkowski is our guest with Gene and KK. You're in Paracast. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Is there a secret UFO agenda? Do strange creatures from the darkest corners of the mind roam the earth? Is there evidence for mind control, time travel, or devious government conspiracies? Find out the inside scoop on the latest conspiracies, paranormal activity, and Freudian phenomena when you subscribe to Tim Beckley's Conspiracy Journal. It's jam-packed with stories, special book and DVD promotions, and the best news, it's absolutely free, sent right to your mailbox. Plus, a bonus free email newsletter sent out every Friday. Simply send an email with your name and address to MrUFO at WebTV.net. That's MrUFO at WebTV.net. Find out what they don't want you to know. Don't answer it. If fear strikes your heart when the phone rings, knowing it may be another bill collector, it's time for you to call Zero Dead in 90 Days. 800-477-9256. Settlements, bankruptcy, and attorneys are not the answer and may end up costing you up to 10 times more than necessary. Listen, if you're already in debt, does it make sense to get buried in another payment plan? Zero Debt in 90 Days gets you out of debt in 90 days guaranteed without a payment plan and without attorneys or going to court. Get the fastest relief from debt on the planet when you call 800-477-9256. If you have debt with the IRS, credit cards, student loans, or a foreclosure, we can help at Zero Debt in 90 Days, and we are the only organization to provide written guarantees on the results. Go to ZeroDebtGuaranteed.com. That's ZeroDebtGuaranteed.com. Or call now for free information, 800-477-9256. That's 800-477-9256. Introducing a diabetes breakthrough, an easy, natural, organic way to bring relief to diabetics. Introducing MDS Forte, a concentrated super strength extract formulated for those who are looking for relief. What can MDS Forte do for you? MDS Forte reduces glucose levels safely and effectively, reduces cholesterol and triglyceride levels, increases HDL or good cholesterol while reducing LDL or bad cholesterol. MDS Forte reduces A1C, improves eyesight and circulation to the limbs, and helps with weight loss. Is non-toxic, caffeine-free, 100% natural, 100% organic, and comes with a 100% money back guarantee waiting for the side effects disclaimers with mds forte there are none order a 25-day treatment of mds forte by calling 213-405-5355 213-405-5355 or visit bestbloodsupport.com that's bestbloodsupport.com for mds forte a diabetes breakthrough <coughs> 
Are you still a traditional smoker? Now experience a new lifestyle and try vaping with e-cigarettes by LeSig. Imagine no ashes, stains, nasty smell, or coughing and hacking. With LeSig e-cigarettes revolutionary microelectronic technology, rechargeable battery, and unique replaceable cartridge, you'll get all the benefits and satisfaction of smoking without the hazards. Choose your taste from a wide variety of our new American-made vaporian e-liquids at LeSig.com. And LeSig smokes the competition by serving thousands of worldwide customers with real people customer service fast free same day shipping and a 30 day warranty and satisfaction guarantee so are you ready for a new vaping lifestyle then call 870-518-4307 that's 870-518-4307 or visit lesig.com spelled l-e-c-i-g.com lesig e-cigarettes for today's modern smoker This is Leslie Kane, and I'm with the Coalition for Freedom of Information, and you are listening to the Paracast. Well, at least he's KK and not KKK. We'd be in trouble. That's right. That's exactly right. <laughs> Chris Rutkowski joining us. We're happy to have him indicate that, you know, serious scientific investigation of UFOs is alive and well. But do you think, though, that more and more concentration astronomers place on the possibility, the growing knowledge about exoplanets, planets and other star systems that may fit in that Goldilocks range that might harbor life, doesn't that make them the least bit curious that maybe something's going on right here and now? Well, I I think that there is a a very big race on right now among uh, astronomers to find uh, the super-Earth. Um, and uh, the one, uh, you know, the announcement, it probably will come from some of the Kepler studies, but somebody is going to make an announcement probably within uh, this year, within 2012, that uh, a planet very much like Earth, in fact, uh, I, you know, it's all, for all intents and purposes, Earth-like, um, will be announced sometime soon. And once you have an announcement like that, that uh, it's uh, uh, very much like Earth and perhaps you know, within a reasonable distance, let's say within 500 light years, and I'm being very optimistic here, um, but something like that, automatically, if a, a planet very much like Earth is announced, that it's been discovered, uh, it seems to have the right composition of the atmosphere, it's not too warm or too cold, and it's been uh, orbiting a star for a comparable length of time as our sun has been around, uh, I would suggest uh, that there will be a renewed interest to look at the possibility of uh, whether there's a civilization there, is it possible to communicate with it, and I think people are going to be a little more receptive to the idea of maybe there's there's uh, you know some interaction that has taken place, especially if it looks like this planet has been around for uh, a few thousand years, or you know let's let's not get too optimistic and say a million years, but but some length of time longer than Earth has been around. And that would automatically suggest that civilization might have existed on that place for, for a long period of time, and maybe they figured out some way of communicating or traveling between the stars. And I, I, I think that that will really set the tone for a renewed interest in life out there and ways of communicating. Now, is there any possibility at all that this could lead to some sort of gradual disclosure that as we become more accepting 
that life is out there, intelligent life, most probably, that creates the climate to express evidence of what's going on here? Or is that a pipe dream? It's possible, although, again, I've said this uh, before, that I'm not sure what there is to disclose. And what what I mean by that is uh, I don't think that the... Sounds familiar, Chris. Yeah. (laughs) I I don't know if the smoking gun is there, um, even though it's a great website. I don't think that uh, that, uh, that we're going to find the little green guys in pickle jars sitting in somebody's laboratory shelf, uh, dulcer otherwise. Um, I, I think Barack I, Obama has uh, already booked network uh, studio time to come out hand in hand with our little uh, gray alien uh, ambassador. Yeah, absolutely. So <laughs> I, I really doubt that there's much to disclose. In fact, uh, the Canadian experience uh, is very different from the American experience in the sense that we've been getting um, uh, Air Force and, uh, and uh, official government UFO reports uh, all along, uh, there hadn't been very much to disclose uh, at all. And they say we have the uh, all the you know hundreds of documents on the Mikulak or the Falcon Lake case. Uh, we do have documents on Shag Harbor, and uh, uh, you know Stan Friedman has managed to find copies of documents uh, related to Wilbur Smith that were first available in Canada about his visit to the United States. Uh, where he made that classic line about, uh, you know, the matter is classified at a level higher than the Manhattan Project and so forth. Uh, you know, Canada has had a different policy because it's a different uh, country and different uh, uh, regulations regarding uh, classification schemes. And we've had the, the UFO reports coming to us uh, all during the Canadian UFO survey uh, where a, a military officer or somebody makes a report to a military base the cases uh, are available. So the disclosure there is, is puzzling. Uh, and yet, in the United States, we don't know what cases are there because Blue Book was closed uh, by 1968 or 1969. We don't have current information on what's really available. And well, don't cases- you think there are current cases somewhere? Are they just forgetting about it, ignoring it? No, I think I think the cases uh, are there, but you know when we've looked at the, the reports that have been released in Britain, the Ministry of Defense uh, that Nick Pope, Pope has been commenting on, for example, and even the cases that we get here in Canada, the cases, by and large, you know, as I mentioned, you know, we're looking at you know only a small percentage that we can't explain. Uh, the cases that are not all that particularly interesting. So if we're looking for disclosure, we should be looking for something. That's more than just lights in the sky, more than just, you know, a low-flying something on the distant horizon or something uh, that's in orbit passing overhead. And those are the types of cases that we've been getting in terms of reports that are available. Uh, if there's something being seen more than that, uh, let's say by actual military personnel as a group or gun camera footage and that type of thing, that may exist. But I, I don't know whether any disclosure um, uh, movement, uh, marching on Washington, or the Million Man, or the 537-man march on Washington, as opposed to the, you know, as far as the disclosure movement goes, uh, is going to accomplish very much at all, uh, because it could be that the, you know, it's so far buried that we'll never hear about it, or simply that there's nothing there. It'd be nice to think that the discovery of an Earth-like planet might lead to a little more liberal offerings, and perhaps, you know, if we're talking science fiction scenarios, if this planet out there 
is discovered and contact is made and uh you know we eventually hear from them that they say oh yeah we, we've been visiting your planet since about 1947 what are you talking about you never replied to us uh you know the government would then say yeah we you know we knew about it all along chris uh, i think you missed your call in man you should have written a screenplay already i'll talk to tracy Torme about it uh, uh he's good on those things well we get you and crazy together yeah, <laughs> and no, it sounds like a great, great uh, storyline for a screenplay. <laughs> Absolutely, well, I'm still looking for uh, for Magic Man. That's the story of uh, Stan Friedman and a few others. It's, that's uh, IMDb is, is still listing it as being released in 2012. So one of these days we might see that, uh, that movie <laughs> be made. Well, no, possibly he, on December 31st they'll make it 2013. You know what happened though is they have to finish Man of Steel first. And that's the middle of 2013. <laughs> and, and Man Iron of Teflon. Man, and Iron Man 3, you know. Right. And then, of course, they'll decide to make Avengers 2. And I don't know. <laughs> and maybe like they'll decide that. to have a sequel to The Dark Knight Rises. Yeah. Well, And, of course, there have been some interesting UFO movies recently. And people have said, well, maybe that's preparing us for the truth, too. You know, we had uh, uh, Super 8 and... Uh, right. Uh, there was, District uh, 9, that was my favorite. District 9. Certainly not Cowboys and Aliens. <laughs> that was one like District favorite. 9, Aliens have been you know, put into the townships in South Africa. I, I, there's just something weirdly poetic about that. I, it's, <laughs> it's weird. Yeah, there's some great science fiction scripts out there. Right. Well, I have one, but it's called Attack of the Rockoids. And I don't want to tell you about that. That's a really good story because my son and I wrote it. Chris okay. Rutkowski, tell us where we can find more of the stuff you do. Well, you can uh, certainly uh, look online. My blog is uforum, U-F-O-R-U-M dot blogspot dot com. Um, my most recent book is The Big Book of UFOs, and it's big. It's, you know, 400 pages. Uh, wow. And covers a, a, a summary of some of the most interesting uh, stories and cases of uh, the past number of years. And you can find that on Amazon. Just look for me, Chris Rutkowski. And uh, I have nine books right now uh, that are out, and I think at least six or seven of them are still available. The abduction so, book has one copy left. You better get some more to them. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> Chris O'Brien, where do we find more of your stuff? Well, we're always here at the Paracast interviewing, uh, I think, pioneering scientists like Chris Wilkowski. And I think it's important for everybody out there to, uh, you know, to go to ourstrangeplanet.com when it's totally put back together. And we're working on that. Chris Rutkowski, thanks for joining us this week on the Paracast. Thank you, KK and The Paracast, featuring Gene Steinberg and Christopher O'Brien, is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. Tune in next week for a new adventure in The Paracast. <laughs>